The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. I am your host, Roddy Cat, and you can find me at Roddy Cat on Twitter. You can find me at News Nose Need on Twitter. And you can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. South Carolina with Columbia down the way. And sound effects you have just heard are provided by none other than our man in Brooklyn, one agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? Representing BK to the fullest. Lovely. Uh, you can find this here podcast on uh, the Coastal of the Podcast Network, that's CSPN.us. Do it today. You can also find this here podcast on your podcast place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. And guess what, folks? You can find us here streaming live on every Thursday night, 9.30ish p.m. Eastern Standard Time on either YouTube.com slash DClickNation or twitch.tv slash uh chronicles and might be one other place but we'll announce that soon if that happens and make sure to hit like and subscribe to keep it uh to keep informed of when we come on yo yo <laughs> uh so folks um we got a couple of things to get through tonight like we got books and stuff but um but we also have uh, the first week, or excuse me, the first episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier, in which we are about to start up uh, talking about right now, actually. Absolutely. It's episode one. It was a solid start to the next chapter of phase four of the MCU. Indeed. Indeed. And... Obviously, you know, with WandaVision, there was a whole lot more uh, um, guesses, speculation, wild uh, wild rumoring going along with this one. This one seems a little bit more straightforward than, you know, uh, uh, than WandaVision, or at least as far as we know, it's going to be a little more straightforward than, um, more grounded, as people have been saying, than WandaVision <laughs> was... But that doesn't mean it's um, going to be any less of a, a of a good watch. Are you going off of a specific recap? I totally forgot to do that. I'm looking over for one now, so I'm still up for time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have my notes, um, and it's fine if we're just talking in very broad terms. Yeah, but I, uh, I kind of got. I, I do remember a general glimpse of what happened during the thing. So, mm -hmm. uh, but I just kind of get, um, you know, just kind of get a. a 
a little recap on what about. But I do know that we start with um, we start with Sam getting dressed up and uh, and looking all pensive and whatnot. Uh, it's a big fake out too. Yeah, indeed. It's a big, big fake out because, of course, they're teasing that something might happen, but it turns out it is not why he is dressed up in a dark suit. Exactly, because uh, apparently Sam, uh, while he's getting dressed, he turns around and, and picks up the shield that's just laying on his bed. And yes, the shield that we know he that he just gotten off of. Uh, well, presumably well, that he not presumably that he got off of um, uh, Steve. We can go ahead and say it six months prior to the start of the show, right at the end of Endgame. Right. At the so end of, mm-hmm. this right. is this is that second shield because we know that the prime shield was all chopped up by Thanos True. in battle during Endgame. So this is that shield that Steve brought back from his alternate branch timeline that we know that the Russos have confirmed that that's where he was. Uh, We don't necessarily know that that's where he brought the shield from, but it's probably a safe uh, presumption that that's where it's from. But I can tell you that, um, and we are in definite spoiler territory. We're not going to spoil everything hard because we're only a week out, but I'm going to ring the bell now. So you are sufficiently warned that from here on in, there are potentially big spoilers we're going to talk about for episode one of the Falcon and Winter Soldier in three, two, one. Okay. So bottom line is, and this is this is some of what uh, some of what I kind of found lacking in some of the commentary that I that I've consumed since this episode dropped. So I'm have, so I'm glad that I have a chance to talk about it here. Mm-hmm. What we find out is that the Falcon has, in effect, surrendered possession of the shield. Right. And what we don't necessarily know is whether or not Sam Wilson told the government that Captain America himself, Steve Rogers, asked Sam to take up the mantle. We don't know that for sure. Right. What we're led to believe, or at least without any anything explicit about whether or not Sam told them about Steve's offer, was that Sam decides to surrender the shield because he doesn't think anyone should pick up the mantle so that it can go on display in the Smithsonian Captain America uh, ex- uh, exhibit or exhibition that's like, I guess, permanent now in the MCU Smithsonian Inst- uh, Smithsonian Museum. Right. In DC. In the museum. Yeah. Right. So he wants it on display in a museum. And my first thought is that's a lot of vibranium, if in fact it is all vibranium, right. to put on display in the Smithsonian. <laughs> I agree right. with you there. Because we know, because we know it may not be Stan Lee on uh, guarding the exhibit anymore overnight, but we know that it can be broken into. So it's a little bit presumptuous, I think, on Sam's part to to have it put on display in the Smithsonian Museum where it could be subject to, you know, thievery or whatever. So that's but my 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 real you know, my real question here is since it's not clear that Sam tells the government that, that Steve Rogers asked him to be Captain America. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have said in commentary that, uh, when I say a lot of people, podcasts, articles, that it's, unfor- you know, it's unfortunate that 
And it's definitely, you know, emblematic of some of the the, the real world allegory uh, that's in this episode and probably going to be running throughout as a thread, as, as several threads throughout this show, that uh, the government decided to uh, uh, forego having a black Captain America and instead put in uh, a new Captain America, uh, a, a white man uh, who <laughs> looks like a big dork in the in in, in the helmet, oh, uh, which I became a meme. You know, so I'm just uncomfortable at this point with the idea that this is completely racially motivated, but I definitely see it because um, it's obvious. But I would much rather know that. Sam actually told them, I turned it down. I think it could very well be uh, column A, column B. I honestly, so so here's my thought about that. Both, you mean? Yes. Yeah, um, I, I so too, but I would have loved to have him say, I said no. And I feel like you know? we're, we're going to get that also. I, 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 I suspect uh, we're going to, we're probably going to get into that, especially now that, well, like again, we'll get into that too uh, uh, in a little bit, just to, just to kind of keep it on the brief side. But, um, so yeah, so the, the only thing I say about that right now, though, I think that, like I said, it, it is column A, column B, but at the same time, I think, um, I think the government probably strongly, strongly was like, hey, Sam, you know, this, this and that, and the other. He, and he, whether Sam actually told them that Steve wanted them as it or not, they kind of strongly, strongly suggested it. Because you even get a line that's like, you made the right decision, Sam. You know, we get that that right. So clearly there was a conversation with them that was had on that. Uh, but that being said, like I said, we, we see, uh, so, so, um, we see Sam in the mirror. We see that we get the, 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 um, we get ceremony. Yeah. We get, we get Sam at the ceremony. He's doing this, talking about Steve and, you know, making a joke and about that. Then he picks up the shield and talking about how the world needs, to, um, new heroes, you know, once fits for the time we get a cut to see, uh, Bu- uh, not Bucky, uh, Rhodey in the audience, which was good to see. Um, and then, uh, Sam finishes up his speech. And as a matter of fact, uh, uh, when we, when we get the cut to Rhodey, Rhodey kind of has has looked like, huh, like you know, as in to say, like that that was an interesting line for him to say. But then them two talk for a second about it, and I think uh, Rhodey kind of hints around to asking. Um, actually, no, I think he straight up kind of asked why he didn't take it or something like that. I know he kind of hints around to to asking uh, Sam, you know, why did he didn't do it? But it wasn't. I don't think it was as blatant as that. Um, but, um, oh, we actually, open, I was about to say, we open with an aerial sequence, though. I was about to say, and there was a one part because even that part with Sam, because we get the line, uh, that that's, um, between Steve and Sam about, um, how does the shield field in Sam's hands? Mm-hmm. And we get that first, and then that line kind of gets, uh, he kind of restates that line when he's talking to Rhodey. Or the, what he what is what his answer was when he's uh, when he says that. So if you remember that from Endgame, you know what we're talking about, right? Right. But the the, the show actually starts with uh, a, a pretty and and I love the the fact that some people had uh, essentially the same thoughts. A pretty expensive looking uh, uh, stunt scene. Yes. Even though we know a lot of it is digital, it lo- what, what I heard Kevin Smith say, what I heard a lot of people <laughs> say, is that it looks expensive. Yeah. So you can tell that Disney and Marvel are putting Boku bucks 
into the Disney Plus MCU shows. And they've said as much. Like they they pretty much have been saying, like, yeah, they are they are filming these shows pretty much like movies. Right. So what we have is, you know, an uh, an action set piece that has Falcon uh, being essentially an independent contractor. And this does become a part of the story. Uh, he's an independent contractor with the uh, the U.S. military as he's trying to uh, rescue a captured or uh, 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 a U.S., I guess, a uh, uh, officer who's been taken captive and he's being whisked away and he's only minutes away from the Libyan border and Libyan airspace. So the Air Force has to do a quick uh, uh, low-altitude drop of uh, Falcon so that he can intercept. And uh, he is after lots of cool air uh, aerial acrobatics, which was which was fun to watch right. and also involves another spoiler alert here. I rang the bell. You were warned ahead of time. The return. The <laughs> return. And I'm like, this is why you don't kill all the villains. Yeah. The return of one Georges <laughs> Batroc, the Leper, played by Georges St. Pierre. Yeah, I was like, wait, that's not, but like, whoa, where has he been? And then I forgot, yeah. And obviously, folks will know at the beginning of uh, uh, Winter Soldier, I believe it was, that's when um, Batroc shows up the first time, right? You know, going up against Cap. So now he's, uh, so now we get end up seeing here, um, you know, he's uh, he's going up against uh, Sam. At the Falcon, right. which yeah, that was a pretty decent fight, you know, because obviously the different styles between Steve and um, Steve and Sam, Sam are apparent, even though um, you know. Well, what's funny, what I found striking about this battle is that a lot of it was it had to be in the air because I don't think it would be a fair fight if it was all on the ground. Yeah, uh, no offense to Sam. No offense to Sam. I know he's trained. <laughs> so okay, so here's where so. Here's where uh, dispension of disbelief kind of kind of caught up with me, because and this is the only part because like I said we can kind of gloss over get over sure. So, um, yeah, once Sam catches up to to this plane, he get, breaks out Red Wing and has them open the doors. There are thousands of feet up, which means they're in a pressurized cabin in a, in a, uh, in an airplane. Door comes open, nobody goes flying out or anything, and Sam just swoops on in and starts fighting, which was cool. But at the same time, like no, somebody should do it. Except for except for that one person that did kind of get kicked out. But I'm just like, right. really? No, this is a pressurized plane, and nobody got got just, just swooped out by surprise. I mean, I thought the same thing, but <laughs> at the same time, they were all wearing wingsuits. Still, so I still pressurized. No, no, what I was gonna, no, but what I was going to say is, I think I, I have a feeling that when they orchestrated this. Um, they probably, you know, there aren't as many that is too, you know, like, uh, it's not like, um, scenes from like, uh, other movies like air force one or something where, like you said, as soon as the doors open, people go flying out the door. Right. But, you know, I definitely see your point on that. I definitely, I definitely agree. Um, but, uh, but getting back to, um, the sequence we have, you know, lots of aerial acrobatics, as I said earlier, dodging missiles, flying through uh, the same valleys that I think Carol and 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 uh, and uh, Maria Rambo were flying through in Cap in Captain Marvel. So that looked familiar to me, but I was like, all right, cool, I'm, I'm all right with that. Yeah. Um. But uh, but but ultimately, uh, the uh, the ground support played by uh, uh, by Lieutenant Torres. I think it's supposed to be Joaquin Torres. It is. And 
for for comic book fans, you know that is the um, uh, the civilian name or the real name of the character who takes on the Falcon mantle. So that that's remains to be seen. Right, and I What's wonder that? if that's going to happen in the course of this. Exactly. So it remains to be seen whether or not that will actually happen. Um, in this, in, in you know, in this series or in the MCU in the future. Right. So, um, what we have is you know the Falcon succeeding in his mission, which was pretty cool because there's one pretty cool sequence where the Falcon comes through in the end and actually rescues his target. And it was a pretty unique uh, stunt. And the way it was choreographed was, I think, pretty unique. Indeed, yeah. Especially the couple of times where you see, um, like like you're talking about the aerial stuff, and you see certain shots of them wingsuiting it. You know, even them jumping out of plane and just going to the wingsuit, and, and just, or even Sam doing something, just like, kind of like just jumping out and wings open open. Some, some really cool shots in there. But then there's a couple of shots where it's like, you know, and they got this dude on his back, you know, on one of the wingsuits. Or the yeah, Batra's got this dude on his back on, 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 you know, on his wingsuit. And the dude's like, ah! Uh, but yep. then there, there's these shots of them just kind of wingsuiting it and then going into another helicopter, which I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. But I say at the same time, that's some pretty, I don't know if something like that could actually happen with wingsuits, but I would assume probably, but it's, right. a cool, but it's a cool shot. Like some, like some fast and furious type stuff. I, I was about to say they're lifting the bar. They're raising the bar. <laughs> they're raising the bar on these fast and furious is just like looking at this, like, whoa, we have something to, to, something to uh aspire to and exceed mm. so but uh but but as we said falcon and his uh his ground support are successful mm-hmm. and after this uh it actually plays uh about 10 minutes actually mm-hmm. so it's a pretty it's a pretty extensive sequence um once they you know once uh, they're back on the ground and 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 sam and 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 torres are I guess debriefing. Yeah, they're in what, Tunisia de- uh, debriefing, and um, and Falcon's fixing his uh, wingsuit. Exactly, and what what comes up is a reference to more Marvel Comics canon because uh, Torres tells Sam about a group called the Flag Smashers, yes. who believe the world was better before the blip brought back, or you know, like after the initial blip. Mm-hmm. Before uh, the the after the after blip or the second snap brought back the half of the population that had been taken away, so it's an interesting idea. I really liked that um, they use this as a vehicle to introduce a group alike. They don't call it ultimatum, but they really I think adapted the idea of the original flag smasher mm-hmm. well in this case. Yeah, indeed. Uh, and we'll get to a little bit more on that uh, uh, later. But so uh, they debrief, uh, you know, Torres is, is pretty much talking, you know, they're they're talking to each other. And, you know, you could kind of see that um, even in the earlier sequence that uh, Torres is kind of a fan of, of Falcon, probably because of, you know, he, uh, him working with uh, the Avengers. Um, but also... Um, Oh yeah, we also get to see you know you know even in the end of that other beginning that other scenes like you know we see 
Falcon at his uh, Sam at his confident, you know, even when dealing with that that first situation. But anyway, after the debriefing, uh, uh, Torres asks, or at least at the end of the debriefing, Torres asks uh, Sam about Steve. Uh, which I think that's pretty much the only other time we e- even get any mentions of uh, him because Torres kind of gets into a um, a conspiracy theory, and and uh, and Sam has a little fun with him at the end of that. But we don't really know, or actually, I don't know. Did because I don't know if we actually know. Well, we kind of do because of um, Far From Home, but. That could also be the world thinks one thing, but Steve might just be out, you know, just out living his life, you know, you know what I'm saying? Because they don't, they don't say, because basically Taurus is like, wait, I heard y'all got him on the moon, which we know, hey, there's a, there, I know there's a watcher that might could have been a watcher reference, uh, kind of low key or whatever the case may be. But, um, you know, but we never really get to where. Like, where is Steve at this point? Right. And it's a good mystery to keep up in the air, I right. think. Because they want to keep that open. I know Chris Evans has come out and said he doesn't, you know, he's not coming back, but you never say never in the Marvel universe. So true. So, and, 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 and while, like I said, there is an, there is saying, there is something out there saying like, yeah, Captain America's dead, but you know, mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily mean that Steve is dead. So, right. But yeah, as we move on though, we get to, um, Oh wait, actually. Yeah. Um, so yeah, after that briefing, wait, oh, after that briefing, um, is that when we cut to, uh, um, um, uh, uh, Bucky stuff, right? Uh, I mean, we end up going back to, uh, that's when the, um, whatchamacallit, that's when they go do the ceremony. Yeah, that's what I thought. So skip right. We skipped over. Unbelievably, we skipped over the big action sequence at the beginning. We went straight to the fake out, which is uh, the fact that everyone thought that we were going to see a funeral, but instead we got the ceremony. That's what we were talking about with the dark suit. Right. But now we get back to one of my most thrilling parts of this episode, which is that we get to hear the Winter Soldier music again because you know that the Hydra killing machine is back and it's a flashback. And we get a flashback with um, Bucky as the Winter Soldier on a Hydra assassination mission. And he ends up taking out his target, but also because of the no witnesses rule. Mm -hmm. We all know what the no witnesses rule is. Yes. He has to kill an innocent bystander. Right. So, so, so before you go any further with that, so it's presented kind of like a dream sequence. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. uh, Until something that we will probably get to in a a second, but yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say he wakes from it as a dream sequence. That's all I was going to say is that what we get is that flashback as a dream sequence. So, and, and you don't think really think too much of it because, you know, uh, Bucky wakes up, he's on the floor, he's still living like, you know, like he, like he used to live, uh, basically. And then we see it's a flashback, right? No, it's not a flashback, a callback. It's a callback to, uh, the conversation that Sam and Steve have when they first meet. It's your bed, isn't it? Right, right, right. You know, it's bed, isn't it? It's too (laughs) soft for you. So it's, uh, it's unfortunately, um, and it's a reference to how a lot of soldiers, um, uh, because they've been roughing it for so long, it's hard for them to get back into civilian life because uh, everything is a little too soft for them. Mm-hmm. 
So we go from here to um, Bucky having to go to uh, a mandated uh, therapy session. And, of course, Bucky being all, you know, uh, brooding and stoic, he's kind of not wanting to talk. And there is actually, you know, the, the Sebastian Stan does some pretty good uh, straight man work. It, this is a great scene. Yeah. So, this is a great, great scene. So he's, he's sitting there and talk, trying to talk to it. I mean, the, the the therapist trying to get him to talk, and and uh, and he's not really trying to. And then she does the thing, with, takes out her pen and starts writing in the notes. He's like, "Oh, what, you doing the thing with the pen? That's kind of passive aggressive, Doc. You know." And <laughs> she's like, All right, fine, fine. I'll talk. And then he kind of, kind of, you know, hems a halls through uh, talking. And then we get set up with the three law, the three rules that he has to now abide by to make amends for. Um, you know, for his uh, Winter Soldier days, and they go right. Through. I was about to say that seems to be a goal of his therapy, right? And he's got a list written down in a little moleskin notebook, much like Steve Rogers mm-hmm. in uh, Winter Soldier, where he's got a list of amends. And as I said, it's it's it seems to be a mandated part of his therapy. And as as Roddy Cat said, there are rules to help him in his quest to make amends. The first is, um. You know, I don't remember the doggone rules. Uh, nothing illegal. Yeah, nothing illegal. And then, the and, the, and this is interspersed is. with yeah, this is interspersed with him finally coming out and saying that he had to um, roll up on somebody to to as one of his amends. And that's, right. um, I believe, a senator we we may or may not have seen before. I'm not sure. I don't. Yeah, you know, wasn't. Yeah, I didn't uh, think so. It's it's somebody. It's somebody that they that that that's been. Uh, brought up for the show i don't think it's somebody you know it's not um uh gary shandling you know rest in peace right so it's another character um but uh the the second rule is nobody gets hurt so as roddy cat said we have a flashback to uh you know as 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 bucky's kind of narrating for the therapist who's who's played really really well by i believe her name is amy aquino mm. wait is that uh, yeah, Amy Aquino, the actress, mm-hmm. Dr. Rayner. Yeah. She's been in a lot of places. We talked about her casting yeah. earlier. Yeah. Uh, I remember her from ER. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's been around she's been around for quite a while. But um uh in any event, uh the the second rule, nobody gets hurt. We see Bucky kind of applying the screws uh to this particular target we has to make amends for and he he does have to hurt somebody just yeah. a little, just a scratch. Just, yeah, just a little bit, just a little love. Just tap. a scratch, nothing. You know, a love tap, right? Is that what yeah. you were gonna say? Yeah. So, and the third rule is uh, he has to say something to make amends, and I cried laughing when he did this, <laughs> and the little smile that he does after that, yeah, or when he says it. <laughs> so he basically has to tell. He basically has to tell people like, yeah, uh, I'm no longer going by the Winter Soldier. My name is well, my name is Bucky Barnes. I'm no longer going by the Bucky Soldier, and you're a part no, of no, my. No. He starts with, "I am no longer." I wrote it down, of course. Yeah, I am no longer the Winter Soldier. I am James Bucky Barnes. And you're part of my efforts to make amends. And as Roddy Cat said, he <laughs> does a smile. <laughs> it was like, eh. and yeah, that 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 part was a trip. I was like, okay, but like, he he definitely does a good, a good uh, uh, dead band straight man uh, uh, in this uh, in this going up to that. And then there's more talk with him, with uh, him and the uh, and the uh, and the and his therapist. Right, um, Doctor Rayner is really mm-hmm. trying to get him to. Not only, um, you know, what's funny is that the the Wakandans and Shuri 
um, uh, appear to have broken mm -hmm. the brainwashing, but they weren't able to help heal the trauma because, unfortunately, Infinity War had to come up. Right. right? They didn't have the time to really deal with that. So now, um, not uh, rewind just a bit. Now that uh, now that Bucky is here, we he's de he's dealt with one particular psychological problem, but he's dealing with the kind of regular soldier mm -hmm. type of problems. You know, there's a little bit of PTSD. There's obviously still the 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 memories of all the things that he was forced to do as the Winter Soldier, so that's part of the therapy. And what uh, Doctor Rayner is recommending is that he try to create connections with people. And I really loved one particular line. Um, uh, she says, uh, and she's trying to get him to reach out, you know, to to, to answer Sam's text messages mm -hmm. and to you know just get to know more people because what she says is. Uh, and I'm paraphrasing, and if you are alone, that is the quietest, most personal hell. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, uh, from for, uh, and, and she's speaking that from the point of view of having herself been active duty military at some point, and now she is, um, and she, uh, and she's a, a psychologist now, mm -hmm. or psychiatrist now, and either or, and, um, and now she's, you know, she's, uh, she's, um, Bucky's therapist. So uh, it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting setup for Bucky's story. Yep, indeed. Um, there's also a line that that was in that conversation um, uh, where Bucky says, like, and Wakanda is uh, going back to what kind of what you're saying. He was at peace, <laughs> and I know there's been a couple of memes about that uh, about bringing that up uh, in the last week or so. So. <laughs> Yeah, he only had he he only was able to experience a little bit of peace for just the shortest amount of time. It's really, you know, it, it, when you think about it, he says, you know, he just went from one fight to another for ninety years because that's what that's what Hydra did to him. And then as soon as he came out of uh, the freeze in Wakanda, you know, they helped him with the uh, the brainwashing, but he had to just go to another fight right away. Mm -hmm. But as as uh, as part of this story, we find out that Bucky is. Uh, befriended somebody but there is unfortunately a darker side to this yeah so uh i think yeah i think that, that it might be when we cut to the scene where this uh this older gentleman um uh, a street shot this older gentleman and he runs up on his, his dude in between his shop and this other shop where this dude was dumping trash into his garbage can and, and this older dude wasn't like it so we get introduced it to um was it nakasima yori yori yeah uh, yori yori not yuri yori yori right yes. so and then and then bucky comes up and said hey 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 what's going on try to break it up and, and you know try to throw things out and they end up going to lunch uh into this in this uh sushi bar assuming where we meet up with and i have a speculation about this also but we'll probably get to that i don't know if it's it, i don't know if it's actually true or not uh so they're having lunch and uh and yori is like um you know yori's trying to basically get uh uh um Bucky to ask out the the, the uh, bartender slash uh, waitress or whatever um, uh, the server uh, in in this bar to ask her out. So he just kind of takes it into his own hand, which I thought was a cute scene. You know, takes of course. Hand to, to... I've been there. I've been in Bucky's shoes. <laughs> I totally recognize all the uh, all of the 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 
the roller coaster of emotions mm-hmm. when somebody is uh, 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 being a good wingman, but still putting you on the spot. Right. And you're just like, oh man, don't you know? Don't get me in, but don't 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 do this, man. And 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 Yori just goes for it. He says, this man would like to ask you out, and it's all and and it's just a a great, really great scene. Right. I I I, I love the scene a lot. And then and and she's with it. You know, she was like, she was like, yeah, okay. And she was pretty cute. But but anyway, um, but yeah. So so that happens, and they set a date for I think probably that night or or. Either that night or tomorrow night or whatever or the, the later night. Either way, it was it was soon uh, after she gets off work. So that thing happens, and then we cut back to Louisiana, Louisiana, where yeah, Sam's going to visit his family. Uh, his uh, sister own, owns the family boat, and his, her kids are there. And he also, which actually we get a mention of this earlier with uh, Sam and Sam and Rody about uh you know because Sam got blipped. Um, you know, he didn't, he missed out on seeing his, uh, his nephews growing up. So, you know, growing up a little bit. So we get, we cut to the scene here where he goes to, you know, goes to visit the family. You know, he goes to talk to the sister and the, and the kids. Uh, there's uh, some family, not family issues, but there's some, um, not necessarily a family issue, but apparently she, uh, wants to sell the family boat and, and Sam's sort of like, nah, we grew up on that boat. We need to, we should keep it. Uh, he actually owns half of it. Right. I was going to say I was going to correct you just a little bit because uh, apparently the deal was that she runs the business, right? With because he went away to one be part of the military and then fight. What did you? What did you say, Doctor Space Doctor Cape? Space Cape, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I was, thought that was cool. But then you know, there's a little. Of course, that has happens between similars. Like you know, they have two different opinions on how things should go. Um... And I believe I can't remember if they come back to the scene or it, it happens all 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 happens in the scene, but they they do end up having a conversation about um, you know what should happen next, and the sister kind of relents uh, into what Sam wants to do, uh, which we will then cut to later on and find out how that didn't necessarily happen the way he thought it was going to go and the way she thought she knew it was going to go mm-hmm. uh, later in the show. Um, I really need to find a better recap on this. I don't know if your notes got got any better because CNN's all over the place. No, I was about to say I'm going off of Vulture, and it's not oh. the most concise. You know, it's not like a, a blow by blow. Right. But we have is um uh, a scene where uh Sam and um Sam and uh, his sister Sarah. Uh, try to get a loan mm-hmm. and it has so many real world allegorical references in this not only do they bring up the post blip um recession issues that are going on with everyone having just come back mm-hmm. from wherever they went for the blip and now there are lots of uh economic stressors going on with that and uh unfortunately Sam's celebrity He plays that up not, a little bit. Yeah. Right. Sam's celebrity is not able to help him uh and his sister obtain a loan to um to revive their business and and, and refresh it and drive it in a different direction. Um and unfortunately it has a lot of real world um uh, similarities not just you know you know uh accepting the issues with the blip um 
you know, has a lot of real world uh, uh, issues explored, um, you know, especially uh, when it comes to lending in the black community, you know, banks lending in the black community. Um, there's also issues with um, and I found it very amusing that this is something that people brought up um, is issues with the fact that the Avengers necessarily weren't getting paid, right. not even a stipend. Right. As as happened in the comics. Right. And yeah, because, you know, as, as Roddy Cat just said, they used to get stipends in the comics. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, some people were saying, well, why didn't uh, Sam just go to Pepper? And I'm like, he doesn't know Pepper like that. Right. Like, you know, if they met, they would have met, like, like right at the battle scene at some point. And even then, it was a gang of people, you know. Yeah, and, and at a the lot funeral. Of going on. At, when he starts funeral. Right. So that's really, you know, that I, I didn't think that was a, a, a fair statement to make or a fair accusation to make against the character in the story. Right, yeah. And how uh, would that look if he, even if he did? <laughs> and we didn't figure, and as, as, as this version of Sam... Pretty much, kind of like the comes. It's kind of proud in his own right, so I doubt that you know right. that that wouldn't have you know that wouldn't have happened. Right, and I just want to make a, a couple of notes before we move on to how the 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 show kind of uh, yes. wraps. Um, Sam was on the run, right? So whatever you know, I don't know if he had like a military pension or not. You know, he was working as a. Uh, uh, he was working at the VA as uh, as part of that like that help group, mm-hmm. but I don't know how much you know he was really pulling in if he was having and if he had any sort of income um, between when he essentially joins the Avengers and Age of Ultron, right? Till 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 after you know because I'm I'm presuming that he had income up until that point, cool. you know once he got through the Winter Soldier, yeah, and probably not like yeah not like you know, six figures or anything like that. Yeah, he was pretty much making a modest living, even though. Exactly. Yeah. So when he was, so when he was on the run, he was probably cut off. Mm-hmm. So he probably didn't have any income at all when he was on the run. Compound that with being blipped away or snapped away. Every, a lot of people are still on the fence about I'm the blip. Thing. snapped, yeah. <laughs> so, but, but, but in any event, he really hasn't earned any real income in, in, you know, forget, you know, a couple of years. We're talking about several years. Right. So, you know, it's it's kind of funny that people just like, you know, Tony Stark couldn't give him a stipend or something, you know, but it would have been cut off when he was on the run. Right. When he joined uh, uh, Team Cap. Right. So, okay. And he wasn't even a part of that before, you know, he wasn't even a part of the Avengers before. Well, actually, he was. I mean, he yeah, was. Yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot about um, I forgot about Ultron. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was part of. Yeah, he was part of Ultron. He was at the table during Civil War. Right, 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 right. Yeah, so yeah, he I was remember. on the team. So right. But, but, um, oh, but anyway, but real quick. Okay. Um, so based on what I just said, actually, because and this is something slightly comic book important because so like I said, we see Sam going to Delaware. Or we see, uh, excuse me, uh, to Louisiana. Right. Um, Delaware. That's what you were saying. Exactly. Um, yeah. Setting up that that's pretty much where he's from and where he grew up. But we, but this kind of strays away from the comics because he's from Harlem, in the comics. Right, right. But this is definitely to play to the fact that uh, Anthony Mackie is from that part of the country. Right, and also which is kind of interesting because if and and I don't I'm fairly sure they did not set this up with um, Monica Rambeau. This kind of almost is like 
um, Monica Rambeau's uh, origin because she is definitely from like Louisiana, New Orleans, and and definitely had spent her life on a boat. You know, because right. I think she was even with the um, you know, with the with the um, the Harbor Patrol uh, before she got her powers or something like that. So anyway, right. So that's that's an amusing thing that I don't think they they did they did for Monica. Right, but I definitely think it was um, it was to play uh, it was it was to play to Anthony Mackie's personal origin. Yeah, probably. So, but what we get after that is Bucky's awkward date, and I thought it, it was it, cute it does, at first. It does say again. I thought it was cute. Was cute at first. It absolutely was, but it turns awkward because unfortunately, you know, as first dates go, there's lots of probing questions, and it's kind of tough. When you're not necessarily the most uh, forthcoming person in the world as uh, a former spy or still kind of spy is. Right, especially and... when you're 106 years old and don't nobody know that. Oh, that was hysterical. <laughs> that was hysterical. Mm-hmm. I want to do that with a straight face next time I'm on a date with the girl. <laughs> she's like, how old are you? And I'm just going to come on and say, I'm uh, 106. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she's, and yeah, so, so that happens. So, he, uh, so he, so basically he, he goes back to the girls that goes back to the restaurant he was at, uh, uh, and she's cleaning up and then interesting choice of board games because oh yeah that was that whole pinochle line from earlier i forgot because uh because yori was like uh maybe you all go to date and play pinochle and and the girl was like um sure i'm down for the date but maybe not pinochle and of course you know um uh bucky being from 1943 is like what's wrong with uh pinochle um so then cut back to, to cut back to this to get back to the thing um the girl breaks out a battleship uh set of all things, and not even, and I, so, and there was a video that pointed this out. It's not even electronic battleship, even though the the uh, the manual for electronic battleship was sitting right there. It's just okay. a regular, it's the regular, uh, the regular manual. Um, you know, no sounds uh, battleship that they're playing. Old school, I got yeah. you. Yeah, so I was like, yeah, oh yeah, I did kind of notice that, but I didn't really pay pay it that close of attention. You know, um, but regardless, so they're sitting there. Real uh, quick, I didn't even realize the game. Didn't exist until nineteen. Actually, wait, hold on. I'm just. I looked up the wiki on this. Uh-huh. The first commercial version of the game was Salvo, published in 1931 in the United States by the Star X Company. Right. Other versions of the game were printed in the 30s and 40s, including the Strathmore Company's Combat, the Battleship game. So, but uh, in know 67. About it. Milton Bradley introduced a version of the game that used plastic boards and pegs. Wow. So fucking really actually may have had some experience with this game prior to going into the world war. Quite possibly. Into the big one. Yeah. But that doesn't explain how bad he was at. Well, I mean, obviously battleship is a game like you don't, you know, know, it's a big enough board where you can kind of make some misses. However, so this is, and this is a part I I feel like that's going to be important uh, later on because as uh, Agent Seventy said, there's a lot of probing questions about this young lady who um, whose name we didn't get. Yeah, we uh, did. You sure? Oh no, you mean in the in the show? Yeah, we didn't get it in the show, but we just in the credits. We we definitely didn't get it in the show. But you know, um, you're probably right. You're probably right. I don't believe that she did, they did say her name. Yeah, like I because I looked, at, it's in the credits, but it's definitely I don't remember seeing it in the show. But um, right. she says she said she. she um, her so name she, is Leah, but yeah. Right. Um, so uh, they're talking, and she's asking a lot of questions about Bucky. But also, she, there's this one in right in the beginning, she's, uh, she's like staring at him. 
as they're playing this game and he's asking her what he's what saying that she was like um i'm reading your mind and obviously you know his 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 his, his mind uh mind stuff is like yeah don't don't <laughs> don't do that basically um but that i feel like that's going to come up later with that because there's part of me think that she may be they may be setting up to be her to be somebody i have a speculation to who that might be but i doubt they would do that here who madam mask like i said i doubt it but like it's Listen, a stretch you, got, you caught me i was about to say you caught me off guard with that one right it's a stretch i realize uh, a little bit of a stretch anyway or is it, mm-hmm. it's a bit of a stretch and I feel like at this point that's more of a Hawkeye thing and I feel like we know that Madame Mask is possibly going to show up on, Mask, on Hawkeye when it happens but I feel like they they are definitely setting her, setting her up to be somebody you know counter to Falcon and Winter Soldier we'll see we'll see um, so uh, uh, so what happens at, uh, with the probing questions, though, mm-hmm. is that one of the questions spurs on how um, uh, spurs on um, the, the the to establish the connection. It, you know, we've already seen some of the connection of Yori to Bucky, mm-hmm. but we find out, in fact, uh, you know, uh, over the course of this episode and over the course of um, uh, uh, what happens after. Uh, Leah's probing questions is that Yori is the father of that innocent bystander who the Winter Soldier uh, had to take out as part of the no witnesses policy on these covert operations. Right, and that it wasn't and, a dream. And, I'm sorry? And that it wasn't a dream that he was having earlier on the show. Right, it wasn't just a dream. Right. <laughs> it wasn't in Word Up magazine. Uh, <laughs> it was in fact a flashback. And uh, what 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 ends up happening is that Bucky uh, abruptly leaves the date, which is kind of wrong. Well, yes. pretty wrong. Now, let me not even say kind of wrong. But you were going to say? I was. Well, no, go ahead. Finish what you said because I, I, I feel like I can still say what I'm about to say. But. Oh, okay. Well, what ends up happening is Bucky has to abruptly leave the date and makes his way to Yori's Yori's apartment. And when he knocks on Yori's door and Yori opens it, what he observes is um, uh, a Buddha shrine for uh, Yori's son that uh, Yori has burning. You know, he has a a shrine with burning incense on, I guess, the mantle. Mm -hmm. And uh, Bucky can see that from outside. And, you know, he's taken by surprise, taken aback by that. I guess he had never been to Yori's apartment before. And uh, he makes up an excuse for having come and, you know, during the date and, you know, gives him some money to say, I, I need to pay you back. And Bucky has to uh, uh, make a swift retreat from that. Mm-hmm. Drops a wide on him too, seems like. Um, or at least it looked at the time, it looked like it was a good bit of money. But so my thought about that was as far so, we saw them meeting up earlier. I'm presuming that Yuri does not stay too far away from that restaurant. I don't know if he went back to the date because you're right that it's still wrong that he just abruptly rolled out. But I, right. I'm presuming that he didn't stay that, that far away from it. So he could have presumably and, gone back to it. All right. We'll find out in the next episode what happens. Exactly. Um, but that being the case, so yeah, we found out that's the case. So last but not least, we get to the end of the show where we cut back to, um, 
Sam coming into, I guess, his sister's house or somebody's? No, not yet. Not yet. Wait. Because we also have to deal with Torres trying to get closer to the Flag Smash. Oh, right. I forgot about this. Oh, yes. So, yeah. So, we, we cut to Torres uh, out somewhere. I'm not sure where he's at. It could be French. It could be some. I don't know. He's out on some. No, it says German. He said, yeah, he speaks German. He says. Is he German? Okay. The, the, the subtitle said he speaks German. So, I presume that he is somewhere in Germany. Okay. I didn't pay attention to that part. But, yeah. Um,. So yeah, so he's out there, and he was he was basically doing surveillance for the stuff that he was talking about that they were kind of that he was trying to debrief Sam on with the flash smashers and whatnot. We see somebody, which I did not know of this person later uh, later on, but you know we see a person come through with a mask on. They drop a couple of duffel bags and start handing out masks to uh, everybody on the street. Um, and Torres grabs one, picks it up, puts it on. And then right after that, stuff starts popping off where you see this dude comes off of uh, with two big-ass duffel bags, come um, off, takes a almost a top leap, to, uh, uh, jump off the top rope or uh, or on um, a second floor of balcony onto the street and just lands perfectly. You know. Yeah, someone with abilities or powers. Yes, we presume, and well, we'll get to that in a second because there is, there is a presumption here that we actually, uh, that gets brought up but not actually said uh, after this. So Torres tries to pursue him uh, as this dude's kind of, as, as Havoc's kind of going on, but he gets his clock cleaned, uh, clean. Uh, yeah. He gets the clock cleaned pretty quickly. Absolutely. Um, and then he, well, pretty what, much- up, what, I, what I was going to say, what ends up happening is there's a uh, kind of like a flash mob effect, right? Where because all these people are wearing the same mask and they're all running around. It's meant to distract from uh, this heist, right? Who, uh, because this 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 group, the Flag Smashers, are wearing the same mask, so that it's meant for them to blend into the group, into the the crowd of people running around. Right. And as uh, Radica had said, Torres tries to intervene, tries to exert some form of jurisdiction, and gets his butt kicked. Right. Which is, and, which is right. Which is also kind of weird because I was like, wouldn't you follow the bags and not this dude? Which I get it, the dude, you know, having jumped off of the second second floor without no problems and just knocking folks left, you know, just knocking the police out you right. know real real uh super soldiery like exactly <laughs> and he's armed too so he presumes that he's got the advantage because he does have a gun on right. uh the target but unfortunately uh he does get his butt kicked mm-hmm. but um what what he ends up doing is he is able to get um some some video to sam and uh, showing that he's concerned about this uh, strong, you know, the strong uh, supposedly or seemingly powered person mm-hmm. uh, on the scene. But unfortunately, Sarah, you know, he's at uh, 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 Sarah's home and Sarah rushes in to turn on the TV as a press conference unfolds. And what happens? We are introduced to a new unfamiliar. It's familiar. Not the gong. Yes, it's a gong because it's uh, someone introduced as a new Captain America. Mm-hmm. And so if so, yes, and we don't get his name. We just get this as uh, Agent 70 said earlier, gets a kind of dorky looking dude uh, in the Captain America suit. Now, I know I have been asked this and I'm still not entirely sure, but we don't know at this point whether this person is uh pre super server or whether this you know guy is does is already 
power brokered super soaker i mean super soaker uh super soldier <laughs> yeah um, we have no idea yet because this is right this is the cliffhanger ending at the end of the show right but i am i'm i my theory is he's not and that he's going to get that happen now why would they show him in the suit before that happens so it's kind of weird but if that's how he's going to look as this news uh uh go ahead and say it we kind of know who it is if if you know anything about the comics, you know who it is, right? And we're you know we're 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 treading on very uh we're we're walking a very thin tightrope mm-hmm. when it comes to spoiling this completely. But this definitely does borrow from a storyline back in the eighties that Mark Grunwald wrote mm-hmm. when uh, Steve Rogers had to step uh, decided to step away from becoming from staying Captain America, right? So and and obviously as um as uh, as uh, Sam is seeing is he's very you know you can see it on his face is like you know one he knew like you fuck he knew he messed up but also like wait you know some some something's not right about this you know so clearly whatever that conversation he had he with the government didn't go the way he thought it was going to or something like that but we won't find out all of that until the the episodes drop later on uh later on tonight. Right. Or let me phrase later on this morning, as of this recording, because as a matter of fact, we should keep keep pushing on because we are kind of going a little long right. on this. But so do you have any other notes on this? Uh, it was a good episode. I thought it was. Uh, I know they said there were. Uh, it's we know it's going to be six episodes, and they're going to be staying around forty five to fifty five minutes. Right. So there's plenty to to digest, right. which is cool. Mm-hmm. No, and obviously people would know by now. There's no uh, in cut scene. Not or at this point. Right. <laughs> or, yeah, we don't know if there's a... Well, well chances are probably near the end are probably going to be. But my only... The only other notes I would like... Like I said, it was good to see Rhodey again. It was a pretty straightforward... Um, you know, pretty straightforward. You see what's, what happened, what's going on with Sam. We see what uh, Bucky's getting into. They're still pretty much separate. We don't... At some point, they're going to join up together, you know. Um, we know they... One of them at least tried to get in contact with the other. But I enjoyed it, the episode for the most part, you know. It was fun. It was well written. It gave the characters so much room to breathe. And I can't believe that, you know, we've come to this point and we're still learning so much about these characters that were introduced so many movies ago. Mm-hmm. So it's great. This Disney Plus model seems to be working out pretty well so, so far, far for the MCU. And my last note before we move on, mm-hmm. unless Roddy Cat comes up with something else, yeah. is it's such a great turnabout is fair play point where Bucky is all of a sudden awkward on a date when it comes to women because he was the oh, ladies' right. man in First Avenger. And he even kind right. of kind of yeah. said something about that, you know, because it's like, it's like a dance, and he hasn't danced since 1943, felt like. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like, he remembers the game he used to play, mm-hmm. and it's not the same game anymore. You know, he was the one that, uh, that Scrawny Steve uh, uh, needed uh, to uh, get dates. Right. And you know, he would he would ask, you know, does she have a friend? And of course, we get a little bit of turnabout as fair play during First Avenger when Peggy pays him no mind because she's got her heart set on Steve Rogers right. after, you know, post Super Soldier Serum or even pre Super Soldier Serum. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, because remember, I was watching the uh, Easter egg video and they kind of mentioned that scene. I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Exactly. So it's kind of it's kind of funny that uh, Bucky's the one uh, who's uh, awkward mm-hmm. with, uh, you know, on a date. 
in in this show in this episode. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like I said, um, you know, it is it is the Thursday before uh, the Thursday before the new episode drops is when we're recording this. Uh, and you know, I am looking forward to seeing the next episode of this um, to, of the show and see what's going what's what's going on the way to get to. You know, sure. I am very much looking forward to the eventual um, teaming up of Falcon and Winter Soldier because we already know that's kind of going to be kind of a buddy cop situation. Um, especially, you know, looking at the trailers, but you know, and as they've been setting it up in the in the uh, comics, but that's you know, you know, not saying they're going to go off of that. But they've also kind of had to already established some of that in the MCU already with you know with um with a uh, civil war and whatnot, right. So. Right. So um, I guess that wraps up our conversation on this. And if you tuned in to see if we were going to talk about Zack Snyder's cut of the Justice League, mm-hmm. tune in soon to a Treasury edition. Indeed. Um, for uh, where we're going to be talking about it. Yeah. And I'm hoping we can just go ahead and get past this whole Snyder cut business because I am sick of it. We will give definitely, give, I, you know, we definitely gave all I have to say is grim, dark. So, um, but yeah, no. In any event, yeah, as, as Cat said, we're 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 going to uh, tackle that, and it uh, seems to deserve a treasury edition. So, um, we're going to cover it in that. So, stay tuned for that. We will be publishing that soon. Right. So, let's tackle some of these comic books, uh, and we're going to start off with. Maestro War and Packs number three from this week. All righty. This is written by Peter David with pencils by Javier Pina and Wilson Santos, inks by Javier Pina and Oren Jr., colors by Jesus Abertov, and letters by VC's Travis Lanham. So, um, as I said to Agent uh, 70 before the show, I think we getting a little bit of answers that I was asking for. Or it looks as though we were getting kind of an answer to something that I've been concerned with, with this, uh, with these maestro, um, miniseries. And that being the tie to, or a more direct tie to immortal Hulk, what's going on in immortal Hulk right about now. And we seem to get a little bit of that in here. And the short strokes of this issue is that, um, uh, the Pantheon has caught the Hulk, uh, they're trying to get him to turn back into Banner so they can get rid of him, finally. Uh, and it seems as though it doesn't go... Well, it doesn't go the way they planned it at first, but then there's a swerve at the, near the end of uh, the issue that uh, suggests otherwise. Um, but also, with what we know going on with the Immortal Hulk, that can't possibly be the end of it. Correct. Correct. And this is a clever, I thought this was a clever way Mm -hmm. to involve uh, what was clearly a retcon by Hal Ewing, but it was a cool way for Peter David, who wrote the original uh, Hulk Future Imperfect story that Roddy Cat has still not read, (laughs) and (laughs) which is the basis for this kind of prequel, these two prequel series. Uh, the, these Maestro prequel series, the original Maestro and now Maestro War and Pax. Um, so it's a, I thought it was a, a clever way for Peter David to tie in the now retconned uh, Immortal Hulk aspect of the Hulk's existence into this uh, 
prequel story. So it was pretty clever. I really enjoyed reading this. As Roddy Cat said, uh, it, it does provide at least some hint of an answer. We may go, we may get one in the next uh, couple of issues, but uh, it's nice to see Peter David address that. Yep. 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 Um, that's... Are you enjoying these miniseries? I'm, Yes, even having not read Future Imperfect, they've again they've they've kind of been interesting, you know, without the full knowledge of it. But also, I'm still thinking they're going somewhere uh, with these, and not just setting and not just possibly a hey, it's Marvel's 80th uh, anniversary, and they're just happen to be bringing this up. I feel like they're trying to trying to do something with Maestro. Um, coming up that we are may or may not be aware of. I don't know if that's actually the truth or not, but I, I still feel like they wouldn't be doing this for no reason. Even if it is just to like, Hey, we're bringing this up for X, Y, Z reason, you know, because it's anniversary stuff. It's quite possible. And this has been, I have to admit, this has been a pleasant surprise. Mm-hmm. These maestro miniseries have been pleasant surprises to me as someone, you know, who more, you know, if I went back to, to our archives, if I hopped on YouTube and checked out our previous episodes where we talked about the solicitations of these books and the announcements for them, mm-hmm. I wasn't sure that they would be good. I wasn't sure that they would be worth it uh, to read. But I am happy to have been proved wrong by Peter David and the art. Right. The art has been really good. One, The, the first artist was Herman Peralta, I believe. And this series, uh, penciled by Javier Pina, solid, 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 solid art. Yeah, indeed, indeed, indeed. Um, that's pretty much that. Um, right. We can kind of rapid fire through all these books because we yeah. read essentially the same thing. Pretty much. Uh, so we can go. Oh, you know, we've got to hit up Taskmaster. <laughs> Sounds good to me. So Taskmaster uh, number Task five. Taskmaster number five. Go ahead. You want to do the credits? Sure, I'll do it. Uh, written by one Jed McKay, or a favorite of ours. Uh, art by Alessandro Viti. Uh, colors by Guru EFX. Letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. And that's pretty much that. Right, so this is the last issue of the Taskmaster Limited series. And I am looking for my review copy. Ah, oh, here it is. Right now. And... Uh, Coming off of the Taskmaster's most recent mission, he is being debriefed by one Nicholas Fury, and we get a little bit of a flashback by Taskmaster into uh, 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 Nick Fury Jr.'s history as Marcus Johnson. Mm -hmm. And I love this little flashback because it is a reminder to the character, to the readers, that this is, in fact, a legacy character, one. (laughs) Two, that the Taskmaster, in fact, had something to do with this legacy being born. Right. Not literally, but actually, you know, the, the, the introduction of the Marcus Johnson character. And I found that very entertaining because it was a nice callback to something that does not get referenced too much because Marvel wants to move forward and have uh, the Samuel L. Jackson looking character be the Nick Fury of today's comics. Right. And what ends up happening is, of course, who has the Taskmaster been on the run from 
the entirety of this series. <laughs> One, Natasha Alianova Romanov, a.k.a. the Black Widow. And she pulls a Winter Soldier. I'm glad you caught, caught that. Because <laughs> as soon as I saw that, I was like, they just pulled it straight out of the MCU. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm referring to is the Winter Soldier taking, uh, trying to take out Nick Fury in Captain America and the Winter Soldier, but with a disc a magnetic mine. Yeah, we don't get to see that part, but it's definitely, we get the same, you know, we get same, the same shot yeah. of her being in front of it as he was in front of it, and the the truck, a similar type truck, and get exactly. ended the, in the exact same way. Exactly. So, yeah, I was like, I saw that, I was like, wow, are you kidding me? That's actually pretty good, but still, are you kidding me? <laughs> now, obviously, this, this is not the first time they've done, in, in recent history, that they've pulled stuff from the MCU as a, as a, um, you know, as a, as a, you know, as, as a thing to do in, in the comics. You know, it's, it's not, um, not surprising in this, but it's still, sometimes they, it still kind of gets you when, he, when you see him so blatant. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But um, but, which, go but, ahead. But, but I was about to say, but but uh, but unsurprisingly, the taskmaster gets out of this predicament because he knows that this is, or he recognizes after, um, uh, what you call it that, uh, uh, after, is it after Natasha yeah, she, says? Yeah, she mentions she mentions decommissioned yeah, truck. Yeah, and then right. he's like, oh, okay, I know these. Right, so he recognizes that the, he recognizes that there's an ejecto cedo cuz. <laughs> yep. Um, so yeah, so he gets out of that, and then there's a chase, and then and he's monologuing on time, and of course they end up fighting. And this, and shortly after this is where it starts getting, you know, obviously this is the last issue, she's going to have to come to a head at some point, but this is where it starts to disappoint, get disappointing for me. Um, so. They get to fighting, they, you know, they, they're scrapping, and, he, and Tesky's like, yeah, I got to switch it up, because, you know, she's, like, the best of the best, and this and that, and she was even making allusions to her being trained to kill Captain America, and that's not this and that and other, so they're fighting, you know, she's still kind of sort of getting the upper hand, even though Taskmaster, you know, if you don't know anything about Taskmaster, he's got a photographic memory, and therefore, and he knows pretty much, he copies anybody's moves. He's got photographic hers. reflexes. Reflexes, excuse me. I'm so, yeah, right. you're right about that. Reflexes that he can use, at, that he can call up at will, and um, and even including uh, Black Widow's moves. So, but, right. you know, but he's pretty much matching her by switching it up into different stances and other, but he's still kind of getting his butt kicked. Um, right. He can't, what he can't do, obviously, he can't replicate the strength and power that these other characters can, but he can replicate the style. So and he's doing Iron right. Fist, Daredevil, mm -hmm. Shang-Chi, mm -hmm. and, and even Captain America at times. So what ends up happening is Natasha's essentially just about got the upper hand. Mm -hmm. Although there is, there does seem to be another bit of um, defense at play. But as Roddy Cat said, the kind of disappointing part here is the, re the revelation. And I'll hit the spoiler bell. Three, two, one. If you don't want to know what happens here, you might want to fast forward. And, and I will go ahead and caveat this. Like, we knew about this going into the series months ago because they said it in the news for some stupid reason. And if they hadn't said it in the news prior to this, uh, prior to this uh, series coming out, like even before the first issue, this probably would have been a bigger reveal. 
because we come to find out that one Maria Hill is alive, right? Um, uh, two, she was the pretty much the one that was quote unquote playing them all. That uh, Fury, Widow, Taskmaster, she was the one, and Taskmaster within the last couple of issues was like trying to figure out who's the one that's been playing them. And he even says at the beginning, like it's all come down to this. So we've come to find out that it was all her because of an old. A uh, weapon that um, that Norman Osborn of all people had uh, set up. I, I'm going to assume during was it Hammer? During, Hammer. It was during Hammer because yes. it was when it was during Hammer because that is the logo that is displayed when he is when they're dealing with the uh, the Rubicon trigger. Right, but that was during Secret Invasion, right? After. After. Okay. And I can't remember what happened after that because I knew it was a, around the time, but I couldn't really. You know, it was cause... between. It was between Secret Invasion and Siege because that's when Osborn loses. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. So yeah, and and I think I'm assuming that there was also because there was a, a footnote in this issue about um, Norman Osborn having a change of heart, which can you know, which is um, you know, kind of talking about what happened in the the, the recent stuff happening in Amazing Spider-Man, uh, presumably. Um, but yeah, so it all comes down to the fact that, you know, that's the thing. And that's why Marie Hill needed a uh, taskmaster. Well, needed pretty much all these people in play to do, to get the, um, codes needed to shut this thing down once and for all. Uh, because she, cause she even says like, even at the height of shield, like, yeah, she could only, there was only so much she could do to kind of, um, to, um, to take this thing out of play. So, and here's where the, dis- and this partially where the, the disappointing part of this real quick, because we yeah. find all this. Was, just pause just for a second. It was dark rain. So okay. that's after secret invasion. So right. secret invasion, then dark rain. Right. And then, siege. and then siege. So that's the period of time we're dealing with, with hammer. And Sorry. honestly, I never read that stuff. I mean, uh, at the time. So I, I should, that's probably something I would revisit at some point. Um, so yeah, we, we get right. to, huh? Sorry to interrupt. No, no, you're, no, you're good. No, no, that's good. That's good information to know, actually. Um, but so yeah, so we get from that. We find out. We basically get the the info dump here of why uh, Maria Hill needed everybody in play to do what they needed to do, and then so they set. So we seemingly see Taskmaster uh, at the end of this. Like, all right, fine, let's do this. So he goes and does the things that you know that um, that. Uh, cause him to get these um, mimetic uh, signatures or these kinetic signatures from these other people. But then, in true Taskmaster style, um, he pretty much c- throws them a curveball. It's a double cross! <laughs> yes. Because, uh, obviously, you know, he's upset that he was being used, and actually so is Widow to a point, but, you know, they should be used to it with uh, Marie Hill at this point. And she even says, like, look, I'm a, I'll do whatever I have to do to keep everybody safe, you know. That is the Maria here well way. So, and this is what, again, this is where the disappointment was because he pretty much sets up a double cross and then leaves and that ends the book. Mm-hmm. And I was like, so we had this all great setup. And Jet McKay has had, you know, like I said, with Black Cat, Black Cat and everything going into this and even in the last few issues, it's been great. To get to this point and to be like, this is pretty much it. Like I was, it, it could have been a little bit more to it for me. I understand. I understand. But at the same time, I like that. 
Taskmaster. It's truly from Taskmaster's point of view. Yeah, he's totally. I am nobody's chump. And as he's walking away, he's he's saying, you know, in the narrative, mm-hmm. they'll save the day. They always do. But it's about time that they remembered who they're dealing with. Right. Which, like I said, that's on brand. Bastard called Taskmaster. <laughs> right. Again, on brand for Taskmaster. So I was, that part was like, you know what? Right. Fair. All of that. But it still kind of felt like like that. there could have been a little bit more to it than, than just that. Like somebody else was involved or something. But they only had five issues to do it. So they had to pretty much clean it up. Or bring, bring it home clean. Right. I thought it was fun. Yeah. It was a, it, it was, was mildly disappointing, but it's one of those stories where you had a feeling. I had avoided that particular news story. We talked about but, it. Oh, did we talk about it? No, I could, I didn't remember it, so mm-hmm. I was kind of like I, I knew I was expecting it, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I was still kind of like, oh, okay, right. And probably, and I, I, yeah, I guess at this point, even if you, if even if you hadn't, you know, read it, like, would it have been such a, you know. A big reveal, right? If they hadn't, or you know, if it hadn't been said before, or even if you didn't know before, like it might be to some people, who knows? But like I said, because I remember it and all that, it was like, eh, okay, I get it. That would have been a little bit bigger if they had, if I, if I hadn't seen it throughout, or if it hadn't been if it hadn't come out. But overall, like I said, I still say I still enjoyed this. Um, if you ever get a chance to read this and you haven't, you should read it. It's it's actually a pretty good uh, miniseries. Even though what you know what I said about the ending of it is what it is. Yeah, it's been entertaining. Yes. Definitely entertaining. So that being said, uh, we can push on to something else, though. What's next? Uh, you got one you want to put out? I mean, we just go in order. Um, I didn't read Savage Avengers, though, so whatever you want to talk about next. Uh, you say we pretty much got the yeah, go from, from where you are. Uh, I guess we keep it Marvel with... Um, Let's do Miles. Miles. Miles Morales, and we'll get to the spider stuff. Uh, and we'll kind of blow through this stuff. So this is kind of the one, the, everything after this is definitely can rapid fire a little bit more. Alrighty. So this is uh, Miles Morales, Spider-Man number 24. It's written by Saladin Ahmed. Art by Carmen Carnero. Colors by David Curiel. And letters by VCs Corey Pettit. And we get a, a really nice kind of refreshing start to Miles's day. Uh, it's been a minute since he has written in his journal, which was an ongoing story point for a while there. And it's funny that he's chosen at, to, at this point to restart it. But what we find is that Miles is on his way into, when I say the city, I mean Manhattan. Um, that's just a New Yorker thing, yes. right? Especially if you're from the outer boroughs, right? If you're, you know, if you're, you know, I'm in Brooklyn, I am technically in New York City, but I am in the, I'm in the kingdom of Brooklyn and, uh, or the city of Brooklyn, or there's definitely different, uh, different ways of putting it. But anyone in the outer boroughs knows if, if you say, I'm going into the city, you're going into Manhattan. Mm. So where Miles is going is Chinatown and he's going to meet one Kamala Khan. And the reason why I say it so slowly is to make sure I don't trip. And pronounce it the same way uh, our vice president does. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. I'm just going to go ahead and say right off the bat, this is a potential click of the week for me because pretty much what uh, Agent 76 said. So, yeah, we get a meeting of Miles and, and Kamala, who, and this is also coming after in the wake of um, out, both Outlawed and King in Black. 
Right. Um, because they're pretty much catching up for after that. And they're trying to, you know, having a nice little day off, getting some ice cream. And I have gone on record time and time again that I love the, um, I, I love the relationship the between two. Huh? Yeah. The pairing. Yeah. Yes. I, I do love the pairing. I do absolutely ship it. But even if that was, and Basil, and I hated the fact that they teased it. They get, they, they teased it so much in this issue, or at least they tease it enough in this issue. That something right. could they, have happened. Uh, they, they sort of deal with it directly. Right. Right. Because they're teens. They're not necessarily, you know, they're, they're maybe not necessarily going to get together right away, right. but they do deal with the issues of their, really recent relationships that they have both broken out of mm-hmm. or broken up. You know, they've broken up uh, out of uh, recent relationships. What ends up happening is that while they're um, walking through Chinatown and, and looking at the mess that uh, uh, Null has apparently left, which we still haven't seen the end of yet in, right. in, in real time, uh, they play hoops on a familiar uh, basketball court to me, at least in, uh, in Chinatown on Allen street and uh, what ends up happening is the two of them intervene in uh, building collapse and they end up uh, rescuing some folks and they do their good deed and they're thanked by the uh, bystanders. Uh, what ends up happening is the bystanders uh, tell or the, the victims really mm-hmm. tell Miles and Kamala that uh, they this is um, – an allegory this is definitely ripped from uh some real life stories of um not necessarily slum landlords but definitely landlords who are doing their best to keep conditions just bad enough so that people are tempted to move out so that they can sell the buildings and turn them over and create new uh new construction and make lots of money but uh, what ends up happening here is Miles and Kamala confront this particular owner slash developer and whatnot, and uh, maybe things get a little out of hand, uh, or not. Like there was definitely a good cop, bad cop, which I thought was uh, kind of cool between them two as they're dealing with this dude. Um, and you kind of you you kind of see that like directly out. Um, whether that was intentional or not, they don't necessarily say. But um, but it definitely shows, um, and I think even Kamala uh, says something about like, yeah, that's gonna come back to bite us at some point, right? So, but uh, but yeah, overall, like I and and I don't know if this whole that whole situation is actually gonna come back because uh, uh, we kind of go off after they finish doing that, and they go, it pretty much goes back off into Miles, you know, into some um current Miles stuff. But I will say this, like I did definitely love the the basketball scene because there was there was a whole scene before where they actually go to the basketball court but they're playing basketball against each other and Kamala's not necessarily as a uh, Miles said a, a um a sports player. But you know they, there's a nice little little um back and forth between them there and you know even leading up to them getting ice cream into the one little panel where it kind of teasing the thing that I was thinking about and going right. into this. I was about to say, thankfully, they they play ball one on one in their costumes so that they don't get caught uh, using their powers and their civilian identities. And I'm like, all right, finally, finally, someone used their brains. Right. So that was fun. I can tell you that the ice cream parlor that the ice cream shop that they uh, that they referenced, they, they can't do a direct 
because they are a uh, they are a, a real company. Right. What the the right. awning that they use is inspired by the Chinatown ice cream factory. So I laughed when I saw it. it's the original downtown ice cream factory because what Miles is holding is two scoops of green tea ice cream with sprinkles. Nice. And I'm like, oh man, I want to go to Chinatown ice cream factory now and get that. It's I been was... a while since I've been there, you know, definitely pre-pandemic. So right. definitely got to go over there and hit that up and and support our local uh, small businesses. I was wondering, because yeah, I, I was going to add, well, I'm glad you brought that up because I was actually kind of wondering. It was like, they, they, they definitely did specifically say they were going to Chinatown to an ice cream shop and it was like, yeah, you, you know, and Miles was like, yeah, it was kind of uh, hyping it up. So I was like wondering if there was a real world allegory to that. But also, they have definitely used real world uh, places in the Marvel Universe before. Because I know Five Guys got brought up in, a, in an old Avengers um, thing. Obviously. Oh, I was about to say, yeah, that's nothing new, especially for Miles, because that's been an ongoing thing for uh, things in his locale. Right. You know, especially the, you know, it, it's kind of referenced. And I talked to Saladin Ahmed at the last New York Comic Con I was at, I think it was the last one. Mm-hmm. I talked to him and I joked because he he went to school uh, at Brooklyn College and he I think he frequented the area where he they set the um, what's the academy called? But his school um, um, is it Brooklyn Brooklyn Visions? Brooklyn Visions, yeah, right. So this this fake this fake kind of um, uh, this fake school that they set up is not far from where I am. So. Right. Um, it's, it's down by, um, you know, it's down near, uh, the junction of Flatbush and Nostrand Avenues. And, you know, it's, it's not the first time that specifically in the Miles book that they brought in real world references. So of like locations. Right. But, uh, but in any event, uh, I know Roddicap probably wants to talk about the cliffhanger at the end of this issue. Yeah. So real quick, uh, yeah. So after after Miles and Kamala have their have their have their day, even though it goes the very the, the very obvious superhero route at the end, and they you know kind of grouse about not having a, an, an actual day to themselves, but oh, or, or an actual just a plain old day as themselves. Um, uh, Miles goes back home. Uh, and he, he uh, talks to his family, talking about uh, he was trying to call them, but his phone gave out, and he comes to find out that um, you know uh, his parents seemingly worried about him, uh, and they was like, you know, they kind of run up on him, give him a hug, and like, and and, and Rio's like, oh, well, he doesn't know, so they turn on the TV to find that um, there is a person uh, in a that basically. Miles, that basically uh, Spider-Man has kidnapped a scientist, and that that um, the shot they use in that uh, last panel in that last page, I'm going to assume that's a, an obvious reference to uh, uh, um, an old Spider-Man cover because it kind of looks like it. Yeah, just the reverse, right? So, and and uh, and the news caption says that Spider-Man kidnaps a, a scientist. So it's or more specifically, Miles Morales Spider Man kidnaps uh, um, a scientist. So that's, right, definitely not a Peter Parker picture. So. Right. So that opens up to the next uh, arc that we're going to get into, which we already know from the news that uh, Miles Morales is going to have his own clone saga. Hold so. on. Where is this? Oh my gosh, where did I put the sound effect? Has it been put away somewhere? There it is. Um, so yeah, so we'll stay tuned for our next episode to see um, 
or next issue rather when that starts up uh, and hits the ground running because I know Miles is going to be like what the hell <laughs> you know I uh, while I'm not looking forward to having to go through another clone saga, like I said, I do have faith in Solid and Ahmed's uh, ability, and and you know, and uh, we know the art's going to be on point. So, you know, we'll see how it plays out. You know, you know, I'm definitely going to give it a shot, obviously, because you know, this book's been great so far. That being said, unless you got something else you want to talk about. No, I mean, no, or, or talk about we can cover book. a lot of this stuff in rapid fire. So, yeah, so spit it up. Because we definitely read very many of the, you know, very uh, very much the same books this week. So, mm-hmm. all right, here we go. So actually, before because I'm gonna start at the top of your, well, we'll start at the top of your list, and then we'll just get to whatever next in mind. Because like you said, we did do that, but I do want to get to Amazing Spider-Man sixty-two since we're on spiders. Sure. All right, Amazing Spider-Man 62 is written by Nick Spencer with art by Patrick Gleason, colors by Edgar Delgado, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. So uh, we start off this issue with the Kingpin making his move against uh, Boomerang, of all people. <laughs> Gosh, Nick Spencer. And... Um, and uh, unfortunately, what is in uh, what is part of uh, Kingpin's plan is to attempt to take out uh, uh, Gog, and it doesn't go exactly how he plans. And not good old game for for you video game players, people. Right, right. So Gog uh, causes a bit of a mess, but thankfully Spidey is uh, swinging uh, to the rescue. In his uh, new duds, his new social media duds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Boomerang does prove to be helpful because he does uh, um, get the collar that they're using to control Gog's um, unfortunate size changing or size adaptation uh, ability um, to keep that under control. While he's in, I believe it was while he's on this planet. Isn't that what it was? I can't remember. I believe that's the case. Yes. Right. So while he's on this planet in this atmosphere and uh, they do end up saving the day, but that is just a little interlude because the uh, the main thrust of this story has to deal with Robbie Robertson and uh, his dealings with both his son. Um, uh, oh, his first name is killing me. His is just jumped out of my head. Um, you know what? I, I, I... I I forgot it too. <laughs> it's not it Robbie Jr. Just jumped out of my head. Um, Randy. Randy. Yes. Right. Right. So Rand. So so Robbie is catching up with his son Randy over lunch, and lo and behold, he is interrupted by one J Jonah Jameson, and you know there's lots of uh, back and forth uh, where 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 Jonah essentially can't seem to call his better angels the ones that we see when he's trying to deal with Parker because you know that he obviously had a very long professional relationship with Robbie Robertson uh, for the longest time at the bugle and you know there's a some back and forth there meanwhile we are left with um, uh, seeing some of the after effects of uh, the, uh, the the move against gog Gog is being babysat by uh, Mary Jane Watson, and 
what the kingpin has done even if the attempt it seemed like it was an attempt on gog at the very least what the kingpin accomplished was to get under boomerang skin and apparently this is all part of a plan that he's sharing with uh kindred who is still on a form of ice yes and um what is this uh, oh, uh, getting back to uh, what King, Kingpin's plans are when it comes to taking out Boomerang. Remember that. Uh, remember that meeting where there, uh, a bunch of the crime lords of the city are brought under the Kingpin Kingpin's um, uh, roof, and he's tasked them with uh, dealing with this particular problem. And the first one that we deal with is one Lonnie Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Tombstone, folks. And yes, so, and where this all kind of pretty much come together real quick is that um, at the end of this, Tombstone's like, yeah, I'm going um, to deal with this uh, boomerang situation, but I'll also, you know, get back to getting rid of his, uh, getting rid of Robert Robertson, which is pretty much a long-standing thing in, a, in the, in the, uh, in Spidey's comics. Um, and he gets some, he, but he and Robbie both get some uh, information that neither one of them previously had. And that was about their um, their um, their kids, because as we know from reading Amazing Spider-Man, that uh, Randy Robinson and uh, Janice Lincoln, aka um, um, uh, the Beetle, the new Beetle, are in a relationship with each other, and they both find. And, Go ahead. Yeah, and both Robbie and um, which is, I thought that was kind of messed up for Glory because Glory pretty much put the file uh, on, um, on on Robbie's desk and was like, "Nah, I didn't want to spoil it for you," but she clearly she knew, you know. So Robbie and um, Robbie and Tombstone both find out at the same time that their kids are in a relationship, and that's why the book. And she says, "I didn't want to spoil it for you." Right. I was like, dang, that was messed up, Glory. <laughs> but she had a good pokey face because I was like, you know, about it. So, and it, like I said, at the end of this book, we see the, the a shot of them um, kissing on, on a rooftop, and that's where the book ends. It was a nice reveal. It was. It really was. I like thought that, it was definitely sequenced very, very well. Gleason did a very good job on the sequence of panels over the course of two pages, uh, four pages, the last four pages, like you said, with glory handing Robbie, the file with the photos and, and, uh, and Lonnie Lincoln, uh, tombstone, uh, about to make the same discovery that Robbie's making when he opens the file. Mm-hmm. So next up, uh, yeah, unless you got something else. No. Um, so yeah, we'll go back to the top of your list with uh bit number 11. Uh, sure. Written by you I want to credits yeah, guy. Sure. Written by David David F. Walker and Chuck Brown. Uh, art by Sanford Green. Uh, guest of the show. Shout out to uh, hometown Sanford Green. Uh, colors by Sophie Dodgson. Letters by Hassan um, Atsmane El Hao. I don't know how to spell up, uh, pronounce that last name, so I apologize if I butchered it. I think that's as close as I would have gotten. Yeah. So there was a much needed recap uh, uh, because it has been a minute since since we've uh, seen the last issue of um, I believe it's been what two months since we last um, more last issue yeah maybe since the last more I agree with that wholeheartedly yeah so we we start off with a recap uh, and basically a recap and catch up almost cinematic style honestly 
um, of what has happened since the last uh, issue of the book, or even right. some it's, matter of fact, even some of the issues what happened in the, the uh, last issue, but going into uh, aftermath. Right, it's fitting. It's a whole new arc. Mm. So this is the beginning of a new trade paperback. So it makes the complete complete sense for the creative team to give us this recap because it was very handy. Very much so, and especially with as we said, as long as it's been since the last issue, and um, I definitely could have used one last issue, um, but you know because th- things being what it is. So yeah, so we get the recap and we get to to find out what the new normal is in this world. And basically, uh, spoiler alert: first, uh, the bat there was a battle um, uh, against the which for short strokes, uh, the demons of the, of the world and the Sangurai who, um, if you don't know anybody, first of all, uh, uh, it is set in 1920s or so Harlem, uh, and it's surrounding a family of, uh, let's just call them demon hunters for short. Um, but they have a specific name. So, uh, called the Jinu, uh, and they are the ones who've been fighting these, uh, these Jinu for generations. Uh, but it all, but come to find out that there's a lot more that's been coming to, coming to ground. And these genu are pretty much for, um, they manifest themselves out of humans, grief and, and, um, and anger and all sorts of thing. And then there's been various other, uh, types of these, uh, demons that have cropped up and more and more have been cropping up and leading to this big battle that happened last, uh, and this one big bad person, uh, named, uh, big bad named Andrew that they had a fight with, uh, last, uh, issue and they lost. So now we get to uh, months later where pretty much all these demons have, I guess, um, um, been folded into society. One of the family members had pretty much been turned into half of one. Um, and so pretty much, I don't want to say the demons are running the earth, but basically there's a lot of them that are, still, that, that are pretty much around and uh, things are, things are um, there's a new status quo for humans in, in a right. sense. Right. It's teased that there's no, there may not be a permanent solution to this situation, but obviously we'll see as the story moves along, but it's definitely teased that that might be the case. Right. So we pretty much spend the majority of the issue catching up with the various members of the family and also um, gets touched back to a, uh, a loss that happened in that big battle because they had a, um, an ally, uh, that was fighting with them that lost their life during that battle. And so one of the family who was actually, and we also see pretty much, uh, changing of, you know, there's changes within the family, uh, um, in mindset in, in some, in some cases, because, you know, there were some people that kind of came in, some of the family were kind of coming in his, in a word certain way, but after that kind of had a change of views, um, in a way, some of them have, have actually gone, you know, worse. And then all of the families pretty much back together and everybody's back on earth. Cause there were some family that was not even that were presumed dead that ended up coming back in that last arc. Uh, so like I said, we get caught up on all of them and the, the pretty much the new normal of the, um, of things right at this point. Um, and also, of course, as I say in my notes, Cullen, who's one of the family members who kind of was, uh, focused on in the beginning, even though he's gone through overgone, undergone a kind of a change uh, in the last arc or two, he's still kind of a problem and he's still in trouble at the end of this book, at the end of this issue. Right. So we'll see what happens to him and, you know, where, where the family is going from, from, from here in the, in the uh, next issue. 
Uh, also worth noting that uh, Bitterroot's been picked up for a movie um, that is being worked out now. So, you know, who's to say what they're going to draw from? We're going to assume they're probably the beginning arc or something. Makes uh, sense. Yeah. So that's coming down the line at some point. Um, you, yeah, I don't know. What's up next to you? All uh, right. No, that's you know that's you know you covered you covered the most the uh, most of it. I thought it was a a, a a good idea that they did that recap because I needed it. Yes, definitely needed it. All righty. Next up is uh, Black Panther number twenty four. Written by Tanahasi Coates, art by Daniel. My typo is ugly. Daniel Acuna <laughs> with letters by VCs Joe Sabino. So, uh, if we're going to use the Return of the King theme that I established or recognized. I don't know if Coates is doing this on purpose, but I feel like he is. Uh, it definitely has uh, 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 the feel of the cinematic Lord of the Rings Return of the King. And in-game. And Say again? And in-game. That too. There is definitely, definitely an end-game reference here. So... Uh, what we ha- what we have is the assault by the uh, the galactic Wakandans on Wakanda Prime, and several observations told mostly by the art, with very little dialogue or uh, or, or or some form of text reference. A lot of it is phases of the plan being put into effect by none other than prodigy who has regained his mutant power mm-hmm. and the wakandan defense involves obviously the wakandan army the wakandan special forces <clears throat> the dora milaje but also several uh black heroes black superheroes mm-hmm. and they are put uh to the test as the Galactic Wakandans, it's an empire, so they are able to attack with wave after wave after wave, and it's teased that the uh, that the defenders of Wakanda Prime are about to be uh, overwhelmed. But what ends up happening? Oh, there is one really cool uh, moment here that involves Spectrum and Storm. Yes, which, which I kind of. I part of me forgets that Spectrum's powers have changed mm-hmm. because my original idea when I saw this team up was that it was backwards because I was under the impression, at least under some form of her old powers, that she could absorb energy. But I might be confusing her with some of Carol's powers now. Mm. I mean, Where, she, as far as I know, she probably could, but I don't know if she still can. Right. At one point in her character's history, right. whether or not Monica could absorb, you know, ambient energy or energy directed at her, mm-hmm. right? Or if she could just project. But the way, you know, and I don't want to spoil everything here, but um, but uh, Monica and Aurora are able to create a, a circuit the same way they do on uh, a power circuit, the same way they do on Krakoa. Right. 
without also, spoiling everything. Right, but also worth noting that this is something that Monica has done with She-Hulk in in recent history. So I don't know if he took. I don't know if if uh, Coates took that from there or you know whatever. But I do remember this a similar thing happening with um, was it She-Hulk? Where? Um, that's a good question. Where was that? I don't remember. That's why I do because I remember reading it, but I'm trying. I can't remember where it was. Or was it She-Hulk? I know it was Monica and somebody. I think it was uh, She-Hulk. Uh, I will try to look that up real quick. Um, well, in any event, well, you, you know, the, yeah, you're uh, I was going to say, uh, you know, as I mentioned, it seems like the uh, the intergalactic empire, you know, there uh, as 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 is revealed by um, uh, the, uh, the 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 somewhat venomized Killmonger, aka Njaraka, right? Uh, it's five imperial galaxies. It says empire, and you know they just keep coming and coming. And uh, as Rodicat mentioned, there is a clear reference to Endgame. And as I said, there is also uh, a hint of Return of the King, with um, with uh, Aragorn's mission being a success. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, there's definitely an Endgame vibe there too. Because of a uh, uh, similar portals scene. Yeah, I am. Um... That's where we. End. I was about to say. I was just going to say. I was going to give you more time, and that's where we end this issue with a to be concluded because Coates is wrapping up his Black Panther run next issue in issue number twenty five. Mighty oh. Avengers number nine. From oh, that's going way back. Yeah, from like twenty fifteen. Yeah, if you're talking Mighty Avengers, they're going way back now. Okay. Yeah, because I'm looking at the I'm looking at the panel where it happens. It was it was She Hulk, and it was not Hulk, mind you. This was She Hulk, who was uh, before mm-hmm. before uh, before she went gray and before she got taken out by Thanos. Yeah, they were trapped in uh, a, a a dark force bubble, and and that's when they teamed up in powers, and that happened. Okay. So Monica turned into gamma radi- radiation and and bulked up uh, Jen and. And they broke out. Like I knew I remembered it, so I knew I wasn't crazy. But <laughs> I mean, what's funny about that is, uh, I think all the way back to Secret Wars number four, oh, when that's... they're trapped under the mountain right. and the Hulk is holding up the mountain, and Captain Marvel and Johnny Storm have to channel their energies into this thing that Reed Richards um, uh, uh, puts together from like random tech and Spidey's web shooters, and uh, right. uh, they Man use the out. Iron Man armor to blast a right. hole in the mountain because of all the power they're feeding in to him. Right, right. Yeah, but nah, this was this was a little bit more recent than that. Oh, a lot more recent. <laughs> I got it way back. <laughs> That's so funny. So yeah, like I said, we don't know whether Coates kind of took that to kind of kind of took that as a reference or or not, or we don't know. But it, it that's pretty much what this was. Gotcha. All right. Oh, so next, up, what's next? Cable number nine. Did you read this? Yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. I didn't read Excalibur, right. but I did read Cable. Okay, so this is written by Jerry Duggan with art by Phil Noto and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. You want to take this one? Sure. So, um, I, as I say in my notes, after having some fun with the beekeepers, 
uh, of, of AIM uh, at the beginning uh, <laughs> uh, um, and vexing Emma and Esme. Because basically, so Cable's still trying to figure out, you know, what Strife is up to, uh, short story. And uh, he enlists the help of uh, one Emma Frost, who, you know, he, he wants to kind of keep it on a hush-hush from, from his people. Um, but it pretty much ends... Uh, ends up with him going to, uh, you know, getting another way of thinking about things and calling back to a uh, an old X-Men or um, X-Men event. And he ends up going to Limbo with the help of uh, Magic and going to talk to none other than one imprisoned... Uh, uh, how do you put Nestier? I'm not sure how... I think so. Yeah. That's how, how I've always said it. Yeah. And that's how my friends have said it. So, yeah, Nestier. Yeah. Um, who and actually was a pretty amusing scene because they get there and, and they check up on him and uh, he doesn't know anything but he just like wants to he just wants to get uh, released uh, and before we see them leave there the, apparently the the demons under um, you know magic's control are torturing him with uh, I will walk five hundred miles on on recorder. Oh, this is secretly one of my 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 kind of like. Uh, uh, a dark horse picks of the clicks of the week, click mm-hmm. of the week this week, clicks of the week this week because of this particular scene. This yeah. made me cackle, but also and and yeah, I enjoyed that. I had got a good, I had got a definitely good grin off of that. I was like, all right, that's pretty doggone good. So then we're gonna swerve, yeah. Um, and obviously, and you know, got that dang song in my head. <laughs> I pulled it up on Spotify. I was just like, who sings this again? Yeah, the, um, you know? the Rick, was it the Proclaimers or something like that? Like that. Yeah. So that so, was. The... Yeah. Um, so there was that. And then he goes to see uh, Logan, who's undercover in Madripoor, and give, gives up his. Um, his uh gives up uh, Logan's uh, secret identity, which causes a fight right there in the bar where they're There's at. The proclaimers. The proclaimers, yeah. I think I thought that's what it said, but yeah. Regardless, that's the. You said it was the reclaimers. I probably say one of those. It doesn't matter. Yeah, so it's yeah. one of those two. Yeah, yeah. yeah the so, proclaimers. Um, but yeah. So in this part right here was part that kind of kind of had me like, what in the world? And you will notice that this is going to be a second time by a Jerry written Jerry Duggan written book that this happens this week. Because you said you didn't read Savage Avengers, um, Cable and Logan are talking, and and, and uh, Logan's like, "Look, um, I got to clean up this mess, but if you need me, if you get some more clues, and you need somebody to throw hands at somebody, he says throw hands." Like Logan doesn't. Uh, well, I mean Logan does, but whatever. Like really, when does that Logan have ever said anything about throwing hands? Anyway, so this says that. <laughs> Uh, which again is going to be the second time this happens this week. Um, let's go ahead and put it out there. So, but then he goes in and um, goes to basically resurrect a mistake uh, that he made as as he's talking to uh, his quote unquote daughter Hope, who he now he's younger as, but that's a whole nother thing. And um, it seems like we're going to get um, new cable, oh, old cable, back if this all goes together, but. I don't know about you, but I could have sworn old cable was still alive already. Because we got because remember when this, when this uh, oh no no started, no you're right you're right you're right yeah because when we see the song we saw him a couple of different times leading up right. to um, confusing it's a little confusing right but the last shot we see is looking to be old cable looks like he I don't know if he was dead in that shot or just laid out somewhere you know potentially dead where where young cable killed him. 
is where it seemed like it uh, was showing us. But again, we've seen old Cable alive during the course of this series, which we know is coming to an end in what three uh, three issues or something. I believe it is. So that's pretty much it. Like I said, um, is it ending with twelve. I think so. I know okay. we did either last week or before last. We did get an article that said that it's definitely ending soon. I can't remember right. if it's twelve or not. Right. I mean, that makes sense if it's two six issue arcs. Right. Or two six issue trades. That is right. So okay. So there, and that's the end of that one for Cable. Um, I'll, I'll go next. Go ahead. Excalibur number nineteen is written by Tinny Howard with art by Marcus Toe, colors by Eric Arseniega, and letters by VCs Ariana Maher. Um, the Excalibur team uh, continues to try to uh, reunite, uh, 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 figure out what happened to. Captain Britain, a.k.a. Elizabeth Braddock, and they are assisted in this quest uh, as uh, as we find out by other members of the Captain uh, Britain Corps um, who have all essentially taken on the form of Elizabeth Braddock's uh, Elizabeth Braddock in other um, realities and other dimensions. And that is, you know, essentially the, the core of the Captain Britain Corps no pun intended, uh, uh, sto- uh, uh, mythology. And that, uh, essentially, Saturnine has no, no real urge to try to find out what happened or, or restore uh, the uh, Elizabeth Braddock of the 616 because, uh, you know, she's not happy with this development. She wants her... Um, she wants her version of Captain Britain back. Right, she Sounds like Brian lots Braddock of fans, back. right? Right. What's that? She, yeah, she wants Brian Braddock back. Yeah, exactly. It sounds like, you know, she sounds like a lot of uh, fans of certain characters out there, right? She wants her version of Captain Britain back. Mm-hmm. And and people in this uh in this in this um in this world because there's definitely people that have said that in the course of this uh Excalibur, you know, towards Betsy anyway. So yeah, it just right. kind of mirrors a whole lot of things. All right. So they're trying to they're trying to uh, restore uh, 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 Betsy or Elizabeth, and uh, Richter has apparently become a a, a student, and this has been teased throughout uh, the ex, this recent Excalibur run. He's become a student of uh, mutant magic, as he was recruited by Apocalypse. Uh, and they're trying to utilize that to uh, reassemble or, or, or bring Betsy's spirit, which has been discovered to be bouncing around different realities. And that's what's been happening. It was a little confusing, but essentially what's been revealed is that her spirit has been bouncing around realities in uh, that are connected to other world. Right. And they uh, enlist the help of Quanon, who is now going by the codename Psylocke to uh to help and it's obvious that she would be the candidate to go because she has been connected to Psylocke to uh Elizabeth Braddock on a very intimate level yes. and if you're curious about that you have a lot of X-Men reading to do indeed um but it goes back to it starts with uh, acts of vengeance and goes forward that's a long way back it is but at the end of the day what happens is Quanon is able to uh, locate Psylocke in one of the realities 
that's connected to other world. They, ha- you know, they, she kind of has to break through uh, some of the mental defenses that Elizabeth has erected because she has uh, found herself uh, crippled with doubt because of what happened during Ten of Swords. But Quanon is successful in getting uh, Elizabeth's Elizabeth's uh, spirit, her psyche, back to uh, a body that was create that has been um, created in uh, physical form by uh, Jamie Braddock. Mm-hmm. And what ends up happening, unfortunately, is kind of like a weird reveal. I don't remember. I've been kind of on and off with Excalibur. Um, because of Ten of Swords, and you know, I kind of stepped away from it, and especially with the magic stuff. But apparently, the character of Malice has been lurking in the background and comes to the fore at the end of this issue. This that seems like a newer revelation to me, but I, yeah, there, there are so many things that's been happening in the Xbox, much less Excalibur. Um, right, uh, but yeah, I, I. I found myself, I started reading this issue and then I was like, I don't remember what happened last issue. So I, let me go back and read last issue. And then I didn't get to do it. This which why I didn't finish reading this issue. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, I would definitely catch up. And by the way, folks, uh, yeah, the, uh, H70 was talking about, um, uh, Victor and, um, 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 and the, the mutant magic that he's been studying. So Victor, if you don't know, has the power to control, um, earth, uh, so in, and in this context, he's pretty much being played like a druid, right? Like they've definitely brought that part up early in this, uh, early in this volume. So for, for you D and D players out there, there you go. Next up though, uh, let's see. Guardians of the galaxy number 12, uh, which is written by Al Ewing art by Juan Cabal, um, colors by Frederico Blee and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. So this is the um oh yeah I forgot I forgot I didn't do this thing. Um so yeah this is the the uh the last issue before the new uh status quo of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh I believe it is called Liftoff. Uh that mm-hmm. is coming and this is pretty much the countdown to Liftoff. Um and I I'm going to say that uh, what happens on the what happens on the cover doesn't necessarily uh, play out in the issue. So we get, um, I guess the short story is because it's a really action packed, uh, a fairly action packed, uh, issue. And we see the guardians coming together to work more as a cohesive unit. You know, uh, the events of last issue, not necessarily it's undone, but you know, there's, um, there's a comic book out for what happened to some folks because the Bowie got blown up with uh, Rocket Raccoon, Groot, and a couple other people uh, on board. But those people are alright, save Groot, but he's still alright, and there's a point. But we get to find out what happened with them, and that ends up being a um, a thing that comes up later in this issue that ends up partially saving the day. Uh Groot kind of comes back into form because, and we also find out the secret of this new, newer prince of power. Because as we, as folks in uh, of a certain vintage would know, Hercules used to go by the prince of power, but there's this new one that's been floating around who's slightly kind of an idiot. But 
you know, we and there's a big that. reveal exactly. about this character here because exactly. we never have known we've never known too much about it, about the character, and there's a big reveal in the pages of this issue mm-hmm. at, at which we find out. Uh, but like, uh, which is kind of sort of convenient, and of course, it has to do with some uh, familiar set of stones. Uh, we'll go with that. Um, but also, group kind of gets uh, gets some use here because uh, you know. He gets used. His brain gets used, probably, uh, particularly against his will. By the way, as a as a jail of sorts for one of the bad guys. Um, but I do love the fact that, the, like, the, you see the guards just pretty much kind of coming together and using each other's um, kind of sort of uh, using each other's power set uh, in a way. Especially in the end, I basically said in my notes they came together like uh, Power Rangers in the end and dispatched the folks foes like um, like Dragon Ball Z. Because pretty much how they got uh, about how Zeus got dispatched was kind of sort of out of Dragon Ball Z. I'm kind of halfway spoiling something for um, for Agent Seventy, who's going to be. Guys, let's say rub it in. Why don't you? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, this is something you've seen. You've probably seen without knowing sure. the context behind it. So it's not that big of a spoiler. But you, when you get to it, and when you finally get to it, even if you remember it, you know, remember this issue at that point, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, or you may or may not know what we're talking about because whether you remember it or whether, but and then it goes into which I'm not sure how to feel about this part because we because after everything is said and done and, and Zeus has been dispatched, um, we see Pybok, uh, the Super Scroll. Uh, that's not, to, not it's Clark. I mean, not Excuse me. That's a uh, clerk. Yes, yes, yes. I'm sorry. Uh, basically, Super Scroll comes down with an armada. I was like, yeah, if y'all have failed, then we got this as a backup, and then starts uh, and start talking about well, um, you know. The galaxy has changed. Things ain't what it was. They they do mention uh, King of King and Black. You know what's going on with that. Things looking promising there. So we you know we still get kind of get shades of that. But um, uh, and pretty much says that hey you know the galaxy's changed and we got it. We need to change there, which goes into um, and he talks directly to Nova, uh, and then it cuts to like three months later where uh, the establishment of the new um, status quo of the Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, gets gets brought up, and uh, then in the next issue we'll go into whatever the new arc and whatever happens with them from that. Right. I just had uh, uh, one thing, and it's just weird. If you're of a certain vintage, having read Marvel comics, having seen the Greek pantheon of gods come in and out of the pages of Thor, come in and out of pages of obviously the Hercules miniseries mm-hmm. and come in and out of pages, come in and out of the pages of the Avengers. And obviously it's, there's probably too many pantheons of gods around to, you know, have them all play together nicely sometimes, but they were always a good foil for the Asgardians uh, back in the day, it just feels like they're just playing them off as punks, and it's just kind of tough to read. But I understand why they're doing it because they do, you know, they 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 they're kind of duplicative in a sense. But it it is also they're also historical characters, 
So it's it's kind of tough for me to kind of digest this to 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 stomach how they've kind of treated these characters over the last several years. Right. They basically treat them as the opening arc of a um uh, uh, of a new series with the bad guy being just like a one and done, and the you know that that pretty much starts the ball rolling. Right. Um, you know, in a few panels, even though you know they've yeah, it is kind of weird to see that. It definitely is. But I guess it is what it is on that one. I don't, I don't know exactly. about it either. All right, what's next? I think uh, the last thing on my list would be Teen Titans Academy number one. Yep. Uh, it's written by Tim Sheridan with pencils by Rafa Sandoval, inks by Jordi Tarragona, and letters by Rob Lee. I love how none of these characters, none of these names are familiar to me except for Rafa Sandoval. Right. It shows how little DC I've been reading uh, lately, right? Yeah. But um, this is a, uh, a brand new title. It is definitely in the vein of uh, Strange Academy. It is definitely in the vein of Harry Potter. It's definitely Academy. in the vein of lots of kids going to school, but in in this case with superpowers. And what I love about this oh, is that um, it... Uh, what's that? I was about to say Avengers Initiative, excuse me, not Avengers. Well, that was Avengers Academy, but yeah, basically the Avengers Initiative. Right, right, right. But I think that um, this is all more on the heels of Strange Academy because of the timing of it. Avengers Academy is a long time ago now. Yeah, but I think I've, I still feel like it's kind of more of that than Strange Academy, although I do get it, what you're saying. So anyway. you know, I'm just talking about timing. Sure. Because I don't think, you know, if you think about it, the Avengers Academy stuff, um, hell, you know, all of this stuff is related to New Mutants. You know, <laughs> all this stuff it looks at New Mutants and even the uh, the original X Men as um, kind of the, uh, the 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 founding of this particular genre. But mm-hmm. uh, when I specifically reference um, Strange Academy, one of the things that we have here is um, heroes who have uh, decided to. Uh, take a particular interest in the recruitment of a younger next generation class of uh, students who could potentially be heroes. And we also have now set up a clear hierarchy between the Titans and the Teen Titans. I'm not, I'm not sure if that has been established uh, uh, up to, up to this point. I want to say kind of, but yeah, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Like, um, But you see how they clearly come up with a delineation like this is the group of Titans. It's the uh, the new team, the original new teen Titans from the Wolfman Perez era. Right. Right. And and the uh, the the more senior characters, I guess. um, uh, Actually, no, it's just the original. It's the uh, the Wolfman Perez Titans are the the quote unquote Titans. And the teen Titans are the next generation. um, And it's clearly delineated who's on that team. And they are kind of like the upperclassmen of this academy. Mm -hmm. And the kids in this academy are these young recruits that have been handpicked from applications uh, to this academy. And it's interesting to think about who is actually putting these kids up uh, uh, as applicants for a superhero, uh, a teen superhero school. We are introduced slowly to this new crop of students uh we have clear references to uh the red x character that we that was originally introduced in the uh the titans cartoon the uh teen titans go 
Yeah, I was about to say it's the Teen Titans Go cartoon. Mm-hmm. I was introduced there, and it's being brought into DC continuity proper. Um, it's it for me. It's it's uh, it warms the cockles of my heart. Shout out to Dennis Leary mm-hmm. um, to see the uh, the Wolfman Perez Titans together and deal, you know, and 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 acting as uh, the old friends that they are and. I am definitely tempted, even with the cliffhanger at the end of this page, to stick with this. And I am contemplating going out this weekend to pick up a physical copy. Hmm. Actually, wait. I want to say, wait. Um, actually, wait. I think it was actually Teen... What did Teen Titans go? It was Teen Titans. Was it Teen Titans? I couldn't remember. I know they've, they've, made, they've made definite mention of Teen Titans Go!, um, but I believe, especially from what I'm seeing here, there could possibly be, um, from Teen, yeah, because I'm looking to see that it was on Teen Titans, but they definitely showed up on Teen Titans Go. Yeah, I think it's Go. Yeah. No, no, it's definitely Go, but I think they, they he did show up first in the, the actual Teen Titans. T- 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 oh, did he? Okay. It looks like it from, from what I'm seeing from this wiki. But it was like Robin, and obviously, and it was Robin. So and and uh, but yeah. So yeah, that's what it looks like. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. The point is, he did, he debuted in the cartoon series. Correct. Oh. Yeah, but I know they a lot of people. I've, I've seen articles saying it was like Teen Titans Go, but yeah, it looks like it definitely was Teen Titans proper. But anyway, so yeah. Um, I don't really have much else to say about the that one because I, I kind of skimmed it. And, uh, it is what it is on that one. Like I, I definitely want to check this out a little bit more, but it does, like I just said, it does seem uh, interesting um, to where they're going with this. And I'm kind of wondering if they're going to, because we know from Future State something happens, and I wonder if they're going to address that uh, at some point, either at the end of this uh, run or in the middle of it. We don't, you know. So we shall see. Uh, but uh, on that note, let's see. For myself... Uh, Savage Avengers number 19, which again, Jerry, uh, which again is written by one Jerry Duggan, uh, not Hacksaw Jim. No, no. Uh, and I totally forgot to get the rest of the, uh, creative team. What am I doing? Um, so pardon me while I get that very quickly. Um, cause we still got a lot for this show. Uh, let's see. So written by Jerry Duggan. Uh, pencils by Kev Walker, inks by Scott Hanna, uh, colors by Java Tartaglia, which reminds me of uh, Genshin Impact for some reason. Well, for a reason. Uh, letters by VCs Travis Lanham. So, I don't know. Do you plan on reading this? This issue? Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you recommend it. <laughs> uh, I'm mean, a little behind on it. So, it is still a, a, a King and Black tie-in. Um. Uh. So basically, what happens is after the events of last uh, issue, uh. So Conan, Deadpool, and this new character Nightflyer pretty much try to rob the Hellfire Club. Uh. And they get met up with Iceman, Bishop, and Callisto, and there's a fight that happens, and um. Um, one of those groups may have may not have gotten the upper hand on that, but then they get the 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 former group gets um gets uh let's say hired 
by the latter group to help them rescue uh, Cyclops and Storm because of King and Black. Uh, which that mission kind of goes a certain way. Uh, but um, at the end of it, Conan, uh, you know, wants something from Wolverine, which apparently he gets that has something to do with uh, um, of something I mentioned in this, which kind of doesn't make any sense, but it is what it is. So, but at the end of this, uh, we see Conan and um, Logan talking and the bargain that uh, is already struck in, in Conan's mind. And, and Logan's like, all right, cool. I'll, I'll tell him just to, to do, the, you know, to stay away from it. So that's where we are at the end of this issue. And as far as I know, there is going to be another issue after this. We still don't know when this book is ending because we thought we knew this book was ending at some point. Maybe they retracted that. I doubt it very seriously. I just think it's going on, you know, just for a little while longer. <laughs> yeah, then it probably should have. Yeah, because yeah. it's basically Conan's book. I mean, obviously, it was, you know, it was a vehicle for Conan already anyway. But this is pretty much has gone back to be just kind of Conan's book and, you know, um, people just kind of with him. And it's not even right. an official Avengers book at this point. It was never, actually. Um... And of course, we we see uh, at the end of this issue, uh, we may get one friendly neighborhood cameo uh, or guest star next um, next issue. Uh, next up, though, the next Batman Second Son number five, um, which is my last book, uh, written by John Ridley. Yes, that John Ridley. Uh, art by Travel Foreman. Colors by Rex Locus. Letters by Darren Bennett. Uh, so basically, uh, Jace starts working for Fox Tech. Uh, Tiffany, while jaded as she is, kind of seems like she might be the wildest one in the family for being the youngest one. If you have uh, played uh, Batman, the Telltale series, uh, The Enemy Within, you will you know the character of Tiffany a little bit more than actually... Well, I, I've having finished recently finished it, I know it too, but I don't remember her being in the comics, uh, but apparently she has had some um she's been in the comics along with the rest of the the fox family uh anyway uh jace looks into a, a uh let's say a tmz like person that has been stalking the hospital that their sister uh is, is in obviously you know uh, lucius fox owns uh wayne or is um is um the ceo of wayne Enterprises and makes her him and the family high profile so the fact that she's in the hospital for um for any reasons kind of has people paparazzi and whatnot snooping around trying to get dirt or whatever the case may be and obviously we still don't see not obviously but we still don't know uh what happened with jace back in the day because there a part of this is that jace got into something back in the day that apparently you know made news or you know that people are still kind of snooping around for so uh, there's this one you know lucius is trying to get uh Jace to come in to um, to do a deposition because there's some you know because you know not trying to give up uh, any money to people or whatever the case may be you know he's trying to protect the business and whatnot and that's the thing and Jace is not trying to do that but he's also started working for Fox Tech for some reason which you know is a reason of his own uh, Jace on his own um, is pretty much. Um, well, Jace has another thing going on, but we'll see more of that next issue. So he goes in and tries to deal with the social media person while um, 
Luke Fox, who is still Batwing at this point, goes after Ratcatcher, and apparently uh, Ratcatcher has turned into the Pied Piper, which I know there is, I believe there is a character in the DC lore called the Rat, uh, called the Pied Piper, but at the end of this, we kind of basically see some of that kind of bear out, and that's where the uh, issue ends. So, yeah. it is. This is a digital first book. It's going to be coming to print at some point, uh, uh, I guess after the run finishes, or probably in the next month or two, we don't know. But this is uh, starting to end up to uh, the next arc. I mean, to the um, to uh, to an arc. It's worth of uh, issues here. But we do know, like I said, they're doing, they are going to do a print run of this book, um, of this uh, of this uh, thing. And that is it for me. So we can go to Clicks of the Week. Clicks of the Week! I have clicks from our colleagues. We do have clicks from our colleagues. Um, and the first one is from Tim. Because I think I got his first. Tim, uh, Teen Titans Academy number one, which is actually probably no surprise to anyone who's been around here that long and knows Tim. Because <laughs> you know he's a big Teen Titans fan. So I wasn't surprised that that was his, cl- his click. Uh, and for Dirt, which is a book that we didn't get to read, neither one of us got to read this uh, this week, and I had intended to, was Alien number one, because we, as we have established last week and before in the news, Alien, the Aliens, the, the franchise with Sigourney Weaver and all of them, uh, you know, is now under the Marvel umbrella. So, which means we have Aliens and Predator. And like I said last, like we said last week, we're possibly going to get an AVP book at some point. Right. Uh, I, don't Pred- know. I was going to say Predator is in the previews uh, that came out mm-hmm. this week. Um, that we've been talking about, like the actual physical previews. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, for June, stuff's shipping in June. Uh, the Predator stuff's in here. Right. So, um, so yeah, like I said, neither one of us read that, so I'm not sure what was in it. I, I had intended to read it because I was kind of curious as to what it was, um, what was going on in there, but maybe. Yeah, hopefully we'll, I'll get to it this weekend. So. Exactly. Maybe I'll address it. We'll address a little bit of it next week because curiosity has gotten the best of me on that one. Uh, and, uh, you, do you have yours? I am thinking about it still. I have up in the, uh, I, I'm, I'm considering, uh, Maestro Warm Packs number three. Mm-hmm. I am considering Taskmaster number five. Hmm. And I am considering, um, I'm considering Guardians number 12. Hmm. Well, I already know mine. Uh, Miles Morales, Spider-Man number 24. All right. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that issue so much. And uh, as for, for the reasons I said before, I love Miles and Kamala uh, together. Uh, I love their friendship. I would ship them. I absolutely ship them, but I know it may or may not ever happen. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with uh, Maestro Warm Packs number three. Surprise, surprise. Hmm, okay, okay. I mean, it was a, it, 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 it was a good issue. It was entertaining. I definitely, I definitely have become a convert to these uh, Maestro miniseries because I did not 
choose to pull this miniseries because mm-hmm. uh, I just wasn't a fan of the Pantheon as characters. But this issue really, you know, really cemented that this this uh, miniseries might prove to be pretty fun. Right. Uh, and as you, if you're seeing from the video version of this, which you should check out sometime, there's the cover for Maestro. Um, and really quickly, the cover for, um, well, we already covered Miles Morales, but yes, Miles Morales 24. So with that, folks, we're going to go into the news section, but first, an ad read. Our first ad read of the night is for Funko, Fun at First Sight. It's your home for exclusive collectibles such as their world-famous pop vinyl bobbleheads, apparel including t-shirts, hats, and socks, and brand merchandise such as their custom DIY pop figures, art books, and skateboards. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy 10% off your entire purchase when shopping at Funko. To place your first order with 10% off and to help keep our show free for you, Go to our network website at cspn.us, that's cspn.us, then click on the Keep Our Podcasts free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Funko link and place your order. When you get to the checkout, put in the offer code SHOP10, S-H-O-P-10, for your 10% off discount. Funko through cspn.us. Do it today. And now we get into the news. Are they really going to do a face-off too? There shouldn't have been a face-off one. That's just me, folks. Anyway, yes, we get into the news section of our program. Starting off with the cinematic news, and we're going to try to blow through this as fast as we can because it's getting late. Uh, DC Zatanna Project seemingly confirmed by Warner Media. So at uh, an AT&T uh, analyst investor day, uh, there was a reveal that a Satana film or a television show was in the cards for Warner Brothers. Uh, a graphic shown during the presentation revealed several films. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm going to take this next one. Um, uh, in television shows and video games based off of DC characters, among them was a logo for Satana and previously confirmed projects such as um, Static Shock and Blue Beetle. Coming from that, uh, going to the next story, is um, we come to find out that Decent Films taps a promising young woman, uh, and that's the name of a film, I guess, director Emerald Fennell to write a Zatanna superhero movie. Uh, so uh, Emerald Fennell, the Oscar-nominated director of Promising Young Women, is taking on a different kind of vigilante. Uh, she's been tapped to write Zatanna, a big screen adaptation of DC Comics heroine. The movie from Warner Brothers DC Films is set to be released theatrically. Uh, and it's apparently that J.J. Uh, J. Abrams' Bad Robots is producing through his overall deal with Warner Media. So, cool. Next up. All right, next up. So, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we are going to do a uh, treasury edition mm-hmm. to cover our thoughts on uh, Zack Snyder's uh, Justice League cut. But or the Zack Snyder spoilers. cut. What's that? But there's only some spoilers in his news. Right, exactly. So that's why I'm, that's why I'm prefacing it with the uh, with the fact that we are going to do a treasury edition of the Snyder Cut. But uh, there are some spoilers in this news, so you may want to uh, fast forward very quickly. Um, apparently, uh, Zack Snyder pitched a China-based Adam spinoff. I got problems with this just a little. So okay. apparently. Um, 
Following the release of the four-hour Justice League cut, director Zack Snyder revealed that he had pitched an Adam movie starring Zhang Kai to Warner Brothers. In the interview with Entertainment Weekly, Snyder revealed he had plans for an Adam slash Ryan Choi, Choi centered film starring Zhang Kai. I had been pitching Warners to do an Adam movie with him in China, like a Chinese cast superhero movie. That was my goal, said Snyder. Ryan Choi was introduced by the DC Extended Universe in Zack Snyder's Justice League in a small role, but his cameo played by Kai could set up appearances from the character in future projects. So the reason why I'm emphasizing Choi is it's a Korean last name. Correct. Okay. So he wants to set this in China. Good job, Snyder. Mm, We're not all the same. I got you. Mm. I see what you're saying. I mean, as we will probably talk about when the Snyder cut, there some things probably should have been left on the cutting room floor. Or, yeah. Such and such and such. such. But stay tuned for that, folks. Like I said, we will definitely be getting into that. (laughs) Some things that probably could didn't need to happen. I'll just say that. Next up, though, uh, Justice League's Dark Dark Side actor has a hidden cameo elsewhere in the Snyder Cut. Uh, And it apparently has to do with, uh, speaking of Lord of the Rings, um, a a part of uh, the Snyder Cut where seemingly takes out, takes takes notes from another, um, (laughs) from from another well-known batter that we may have referenced earlier. (laughs) If you know what I'm talking about. All right. Yeah, that um, Diana's um, uh, um, narration is speaking of, uh, and apparently it's, it's it's in there. Like I said, next up. Uh, next up, and this is a mild spoiler for the Snyder Cut. Apparently, some good folks at IGN, an intrepid reporter, uh, went <laughs> through, and somebody helping. Uh, went through every second of the movie and collated all the shots that were presented in what was clearly slower than real-life speeds and found out that mm-hmm. 10% of the Snyder Cut is in slow motion. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was more. I'll be honest. I'm, yes, exactly, because it was like there were shots and scenes that just lingered. They leaned into that particular effect. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I know that there's plenty of characters. It's an overused superpower in the DC universe. I know. Right. You know, even Wonder Woman has super speed. You know, maybe not Superman and Flash level speed, but she's got super speed. Right. So they definitely abused. And I, I mean that in every regard. They abused <laughs> the slow motion. They kind of did. They really did. Um but yeah, again, we will be getting to that because I took copious amounts of notes. And <laughs> I, if you if you saw my Twitter from when it dropped or when or shortly after it dropped, when I actually watched it, uh, the Snyder Cut, you will see the beginning of my notes. Uh, spoiler like, but yeah, you you saw the beginning of my notes. Who next up though? Um, uh, yeah, whoops. Uh, Justice League is, uh, excuse me, Zack Snyder's Justice League finally calls Diana Prince by her superhero name, which I still don't, rem- I, this is actually one part that I very, I basically don't remember. Uh, so this article pretty much goes to the point it's like, yeah, in Wonder Woman's first, um, first movie and in 1984, they don't call, I don't recall this happening, but, uh, they don't call her Wonder Woman. 
and it sounds like they did in the Snyder Cut at some point. And, and again, like I said, I, I kind of poured through the Snyder Cut, even though I was kind of, you know, I don't want to say hate watching because I hate that term, but, you know, I was just kind of just kind of doing it, even though it took me, let's say, close to five hours to watch it. And that's because I watched an hour of it previously and then restarted it. Mm. And watched like a half an hour of the other just the theatrical cut of uh, Just League just for some parody. I gotcha. So, yeah, that being said. I mean, I couldn't bring myself for comparison's sake to look at the original one. I'd, I'd seen it once in the theater and I'm right. done with it. So I didn't, that's uh, why I didn't go through the whole thing. I just wanted to see where it met. I think I told you this. Like, I wanted to see where it matched up to where, you know, to something similar to where this goes. And it, I, it's apparent as like, spoiler alert, it's like 30 minutes in. I understand. Um, next up, there is a making of Zack Snyder's Justice League video, which reveals the scale of the movie. Have at it, folks. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's that's all on you. Um, uh, Warner Media head is unaware of any Ray Fisher Justice League NDAs. Uh, so apparently, uh, Warner Media Studios CEO Ann Sarnoff says she's unaware of any non-disclosure um, agreements mentioned by Ray Fisher that prevents him from providing more details on the onset abuse by John Sweden during Justice League reshoots. Um, now, I'm just going to say here before we push on. That could either mean that she actually doesn't know, or it could be plausible to that, that deniability. Moving right okay. along. So apparently, The Rock shares a script page and puts DC and Marvel on notice. Um, so he shared the first page from the Black Adam script and reveals just three weeks remain before production starts on the DCEU film. Okay. Good for him. Yeah. And uh, as you see from the video, you'll see a uh, shot of the Instagram where. You know, where he's uh, this is an Instagram video where he does that. I, I can't believe it's actually happening. I know, right? Same. Uh, and actually, on that front, uh, Pierce Brosnan is cast as Dr. Fate for the Black Adam film. So, uh, production on Black Adam is nearing start date, and a major piece of the cast has already been revealed by Hollywood Reporter. As the aforementioned Bros- uh, Pierce Brosnan, Brosnan, there's no D there, will appear as hero Dr. Fate. And they know that, of course, we know Pierce Brosnan as the former James Bond uh, and uh, other cast members that have already been established. Uh, and the filming on set is scheduled to begin in April in Atlanta with Johnson teasing the start of it, as we said in the uh, previous uh, article. Next up. Next up, Helen Mirren has closed the deal to play the villain Hespera, a daughter of Atlas, in New Line and DC Films' Shazam! Fury of the Gods. The sequel to the box office hit an adaptation of the comic book. Zachary Levi sets a reprises role of Shazam with Rachel Zelger also aboard. Okay. I love Heather Merlin, so I'm 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 up for this. Not her first DC foray, by the way. Um What was her what was her first one? Red. Obviously. Red Red Two. That was a DC adaptation? Apparently. Okay. Yeah. Um, cause yeah, cause I remember when I watched the movie, it does say something that you're in the body that's a, gra- a DC graphic novel or something like that. Also, so is the losers, but you know, and there's oh, a couple I about the lo- yeah, I was yeah. gonna say, I definitely I'm just saying for people who don't know, yeah, which I still yeah. need to see that movie, but, I, but I'm gonna watch that pretty soon. Um, there's Captain America, Gamora, and uh, Heimdall all in that movie, folks, and the Project right. and and um, and Papa Winchester first for those of you who know that who that is, yeah, and Negan from The Walking Dead. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. There we go. Same person. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Next up. 
Um, is that me? Wait, that's... Oh, no, two. Yeah. Uh, from the Flash Corner, uh, Warner Brothers confirms uh, Ron Lefstein's recast. So, Rachel Ghoul, uh, a.k.a. Um, I still call that dude uh, Billy Crudup. Because he that dude straight up looked like Rachel Ghoul in um in Justice League, who played uh um Barry's father Henry. Uh, so apparently he, you know he's not doing it because of scheduling conflicts. And Ron Livingston of Friday Night Frame, Friday Night Lights Frame, and other places is taking over the role of uh of Barry Allen's dad in the Flash film, which again don't believe is um still going and. I'm just going to say this real quick. Um, the more Flash talked in, in just Snyder Cut, the the less I liked him. Mm. Next up. Next up, the CW has cast the lead for Naomi, the pilot based on the DC Comics character of the same name. In addition, the pilot has added three series regulars. The pilot hails from Ava DuVernay and Jill Blankenship. Casey Walfall will star in the title role as Naomi, described as an effortlessly cool and confident high school student who is the adopted daughter of doting parents. Popular with all the kids in her military town, Naomi is unafraid to embrace her AP student comic book-loving nerdiness. After a supernatural event leads to the discovery of her powers within, Naomi pursues her hidden destiny. It feels like it was just yesterday that Naomi was released as you know, was introduced as a combo character. So this is a quick turnaround for a TV character show. It you know, for a character for, for a character's TV show that is. I'm sorry right. for stumbling over those words. No, no, you're good. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. It definitely has not been that long since uh, Na- Naomi's origin. By um, yeah, as it says here in 2019. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, Ben is. Bendis made this character or helped make this character. So that's, yeah, there's still some. Mm-hmm. I need to read that though. I still want to read that uh, miniseries and I plan to at some point before this happens. Uh, next up though, Lena Luthor adopts a new role in the final season of Supergirl. So after a long time harboring hate for Kara Danvers, a uh, friend turned enemy turned friend again, uh, Lena Luthor will be on better terms with the hero during Supergirl's final season, according to showrunner Jessica Queller. Uh, quote, Lena is going to become a more integral part of the Super Friends this season uh, than ever before, uh, Queller told e- uh, Entertainment Weekly. So I think it's going to be really satisfying and have emotional resonance for her because she's always the kind of felt like an outsider, not just with uh, Kara's secret, but with the whole group. So now she's going to be a full-on insider, and that will change the dynamic for Lena and the group. Okay, next. Next up, so these are spoilers for the Epics show, the Epics Pennyworth show. Apparently, the uh, the characters that we are familiar, most familiar with um, that would be connected to Alfred... Uh, that being Thomas and Martha Wayne, but in this case, not yet married. It's Thomas Wayne and Martha Kane. And um, they've been apparently separated at the beginning of the season. But now, as of the most recent episode, the characters have been brought back together. And uh, there is a new addition, one Lucius Fox. Okay, which I could have sworn he was already there, but all right, sure. Um... Next up, the Boondocks reboot seemingly is pushed to 2022. Uh, so, yeah, apparently they rescheduled it uh, for a release on uh, 2022, release on HBO Max. According to the official uh, Boondocks Instagram page per OK Player, the, um, the beloved anime- animated series has 
set a new date for its return. The page's bio appears to reveal that the Boondocks reboot is now scheduled for release in 2022, like we just said, after a new series was originally announced for fall 2020, launching with a 50-minute special on the HBO Max streaming service. Uh, it seems like Aaron Magruder is also back on board because I believe he left in uh, somewhere uh, second or third season or something like that. Uh, and obviously, since John Witherspoon is no longer around, they're still going to have to find someone for Granddad. And I know some people are like, I don't know about this. I'm kind mm-hmm. of in agreement about it. And we don't know if um, Regina King is going to also come back and play uh, Huey and Riley. So, I believe they tried to tap, um, or there's been some rumors they tried to tap um, uh, Witherspoon's son, who I think declined it. So, we'll see how, what happens with that whole thing. Next up. Bang, bang, bang. Um, Godzilla vs. Kong director Adam Wingard confirms there will be Easter eggs from the original 1962 showdown between Godzilla vs. Kong next week. Yes. Next week. Yes. Next Wednesday, folks. One of 2021's biggest movies is stomping <laughs> into theaters and HBO Max, which is where I'm going to watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that sounds like fun. Yeah, I know someone who is as, as big a Godzilla fan as you are, and she, those, probably all those movies put together are older than her, which is kind of funny. Um, shout out to my girl KK, my whole girl KK. Um, but I plan on looking, looking at the, those last two movies because I have never watched them. Like the Godzilla and oh, Kong movie. I'm sorry? King of the Monster. Godzilla, King of the Monster, and the uh, Skull Island. Oh, okay. I know it has probably little to do. Well, I mean, they kind of do, but kind of don't have much to do with this one, but still. Right. Still it's probably it. worth watching those before watching this. Yeah. And also, it's yeah, necessary, but probably worth it. Right. And also, yeah, we've really got to talk about Green uh, Martian Manhunter uh, when we get to that. It's not, it's not a cut. Oh, my goodness. Spoilers. I know, but whatever, man. Assume we're going to get to a point where we don't have to talk about the Snyder Cut ever again. <laughs> Oscar Isaac moves like Moon Knight in fight training video. And I know this has kind of been the buzz of the internet uh, in the last few days. Uh, so, yeah, there was a, um, let's see, I, uh, it was posted by Mad Gene Media on Instagram. The video shows uh, Isaac training for his role as Moon Knight Mark Spector in the upcoming Disney Plus series and in, in one of the many additions to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The caption reads, uh, currently out of office, hashtag the one you see coming. And then there's a video from Instagram showing Oscar Isaac and um, sparring with some with some folks in almost a daredevil-like fashion, as someone pointed out. So, there you go. Right. But you could also see what I really liked about the video is that you could also see daredevil-like fashion but as if daredevil had a bladed weapon because you could definitely see the moves he's making are intended to mimic the fact that he's probably wielding uh uh, uh, a crescent dart Mm -hmm. in his hands so i Mm -hmm. i really like that that was pretty cool i wonder if they're gonna do some mr knight uh business on here we'll see yeah so it says, the mm-hmm. hashtag is a direct uh, reference to a line of dialogue in Moon Knight number five, where the character says, tell your friends, tell everyone you meet. You tell them all. When you see me coming, run. So, next up. That works. Uh, 
the Disney Plus Hawkeye show is not even out yet, but the streamer is already putting together at least one spinoff from the show, one focused on the character Echo. Variety reports that a new show focused on Echo, a deaf Native American character played by Alakwa Cox in the upcoming Hawkeye series, is in development for Disney Plus. Man, this Disney Plus... We didn't get it soon enough, unfortunately, for some characters, you know? Mm-hmm. Which I think if, if it was one character we we're talking about, we're probably going to get to that next. Lots of characters. Yes. Um, I was going to say, uh, I mean, I know people like the Netflix shows. I do. Mm-hmm. I know that. But there's definitely characters that really could have been helped with if, if Disney Plus was a thing sooner. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like we will be talking about that at some point soon later. Um, yep. Black Widow, Cruella, to debut on uh, Disney Plus and in theaters as Disney shifts dates for seven films. So as moviegoers begin to slowly begin uh, to slowly rebound in the U.S., it appears Hollywood studios are not re- ready to release their biggest blockbuster hopefuls on the big screen. Uh, excuse me. All that is to say, uh, Disney has massively overhauled its upcoming slate and amended release plans for Black Widow, uh, Emma Stone's Cruella, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, uh, Pixar's Luca, Luca, and several others. Notably, Black Widow and Cruella will now appear on Disney Plus at the same time they open in theaters. Uh, Cruella is arriving as scheduled on May 28th, while Black Widow has been pushed back two months and will debut on July 9th instead of May 7th. Uh, both titles, and here's the here's the uh, the kicker. Both titles will be offered on Premier Access, which comes with a thirty dollar rental fee. Are they stupid? That is, yeah, no, no. Uh, anyway, I because that whole I like, all right, you're already paying for the service, and then you got to pay thirty dollars, which is way more than even movie tickets in general for for access to this. Like I get it. You want I mean, it depends on the. I was about to say it depends on your family's math. That's really what it comes down to. I suppose, but thirty dollars is a lot because everybody's. I was about to say because if because that essentially boils down to three movie tickets. Sure, I'm just saying that's what it boils down to. And well, I'm about to say two. Uh, I would argue two. I'm I'm counting like uh, like like parents and kid and parent parents and one kid. You know. Uh, you know, maybe, you know, obviously it, what, what I'm, what I'm, what my calculus actually comes out to be more than 30, mm-hmm. but I think that's what there's, they're counting on is that they're, 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 they're making people think that 30 is a discount. So they're wrong. Uh, cause again, yeah. you are, cause like I said, I'm just looking at this as far as like, you're already paying what for $15 a month or whatever it is. Oh, wait, it's not $15 a month. It's, uh, it's, it's Netflix. It's like, uh, no, it's like a year. It's like eight. Yeah. Well, it depends if you have, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But regardless, you're already paying, and I get it. Like I said, I'm not, I don't have a problem with them charging a little bit extra for for premium stuff. That much is a, is, is a little bit much. That's all I'm saying. Right. Like I said, if if it all depends on your personal calculus. Sure. If it's just me paying for my own ticket, I might, you know, depending on, you know, I'll be vaccinated by then. I will be. Right. I'll be vaccinated uh, before the end of April. So, mm-hmm. um, because I got mine, I got my first shot. Nice. Which, wait, which one? Did I got you get? it on Monday. Which one did you get? Uh, Pfizer. Okay. So I got my first shot. So I will be vaccinated before the end of April. So um, I should be good to go for any in-person movie screenings. 
uh, summertime when summertime rolls around. So that's the hope. I the hope s- is, you know, I'll be in the theaters with my friends to watch Black Widow. I'm still not doing it. I don't care. I, even if I got back, like we got my mom vaccinated and I, I don't know when I'm going to get mine. I still not going to do it. Because it's not like, cause first of all, even if you get vaccinated and you already know this, but you could still. Of course. Yeah, of course. It's all a matter of whether or not everyone else is vaccinated. Right. And that's when it starts to get a little bit more of, uh, uh, reassuring right. to go to a movie theater. And people already still don't know how to act right. So that's why I'm like, no. Um, mm-hmm. But that, but, but, but to back on track, um, uh, Black Widow's move means that Marvel Shang-Chi and the Legend of Ten Wings, which is previously set for July, was bumped back to September 3rd. It is expected to have a traditional theatrical release. I still say $30 is too high. Um, but I understand the calculus. Like I said, I think it really does depend on the calculus. I agree with you, though, that it does seem too high. Right. For a service that you're already paying for. That's the, that's the kind of sticking across for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also some of those people are like, you know, some I know there are some people grousing about it and they they're watching it from somebody else's account. So <laughs> but still counting it. Though my, I guess the only reason the only reason why I, I I don't feel like it's the worst thing is because I sprung for Raya and the Last Dragon. Right, which I heard were pretty good things about. I bought it for family. Right. So that's why, because you know, for people, for other people who are using my account. <laughs> so you know what I mean? Like, that's why I'm kind of like, it depends on the calculus. You do the math, it's kind of like, all right, you know? Uh, so I guess. In any event, our yeah, next man. story is a new set video from Spider-Man No Way Home confirms that one character from Spider-Man Homecoming will be back. It looks like Coach Wilson is here for the next installment of the franchise. Hey, hey you, where are you going? <laughs> Hannah Burris posted a video to his Instagram of the cast shooting some hoops on set, and fans quickly wanted to know what was going on. You can also spy Jacob Batalon and Zendaya in some of these photos from filming as well. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, next up, um, bloop. Uh, matter of fact, I'm going to take both of these because they're not related, but they're kind of related. Uh, John Wick creator won't return for parts four and five, but wishes the franchise well. Uh, John Wick creator and franchise writer Derek Kolstad is not writing the screenplay for John Wick four or five, with uh, Chad Stalinsky directing all three installments of uh, Keanu Reeves-led action movie trilogy. Kolstad has ser- uh, served as a screenwriter after the first uh, conceiving after first conceiving the character with the original movie's script. Though he had helped with the screenplay for three with the additional uh, writers, it was expected uh, Colstadt would return with Zelensky to develop upcoming singles. Nope. Um, he says, I'm not actually, I'm actually not involved with four or five at a certain stage and the studio will tell you uh, your creation is graduated and you wish it well. I'm still close with uh, Chad Zelensky, still close with David Letch, and I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm excited to see. Says no, it wasn't his. He also quotes uh, no, it wasn't his um, decision, and he kind of goes on and, and says stuff from there, which you can read in the article in the show notes. Um, but on that note, we come to find out that he's not starving for work because apparently the uh, Spencer Cell animated series uh, writer, uh, who is also Derek Kolstad, shares new details. So yeah, there we talked about a, a Spencer Cell animated series that is coming, on, I believe, on Netflix. Um. And uh, apparently it's not coming anytime soon, but he's still working on it. So in an interview with Kaleido, Kolstad shared that the first season had been officially greenlit for eight episodes, although he anticipates 16 episodes uh, total. Uh, 
He also shared that uh, he's aiming for episodes to be about 20 to 30 minutes long. And apparently he also uh, wrote that nobody, which is kind of like a like John Wick with um, uh, wait was it John Ham? I don't remember who, who was in that movie, but um, that Mister that nobody uh, movie that was kind of a John Wick delight. So I guess it makes sense. Either way, there you go. Next up, Scott Pilgrim versus the World is going to be returning to American movie theaters, remastered for Dolby Vision Atmos Cinema. On April 30th, director Edgar Wright uh, shared a new trailer for the re-release of his adaptation of Brian Lee O'Malley's graphic novel series. So this has been long been in the works, he says, uh, Scott Pilgrim fans. But he's pleased to say that in North America on April 30th, the film will come back to the big screen looking and sounding better than ever in Dolby Cinema. Having just watched this on on the copy that I have and watched it with some folks in, in Discord, I don't have to do this. Although I honestly I kind of would like to see this movie again in in the theaters, but not at this point right now. Uh, for the aforementioned reasons, right? Mm-hmm. All right, now we're going to go over into the comic book news. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice, uh, Nintendo Comics for the Retro Connector. So uh, apparently. Um, See, the obvious popular trend comes what they were comics and video games. In the 90s, Variant Comics uh, published a series of comics based on Nintendo's properties. Interestingly, these uh, uh, actually predated Valiant's on Magnus, Solar, and Rai. To kick off the Nintendo uh, comic books, an eight-page sneak preview was released in the form of Nintendo Comics System. This preview ran, uh, this preview itself was uh, unnumbered. Uh, but similarly titled uh, Nintendo Comic System. Oh, wait, it ran about a year, looks like. Uh, with just about total graded slabs and CGC senses all across the grades. This does, why, is it, why is it going into all of this? <laughs> all right, yada, 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 yada. Um, so, yeah. Okay, I thought this was talking about that they're bringing this back out again. They're just basically talking about that this was a thing and how much is being graded. So we're going to move on. Next. When I Next. read that, it read differently than, than, than what I'm just reading now. So forgive me for that, I folks. Understand. I understand. Free Comic Book Day will be Saturday, August 14th, 2021, and Udon Entertainment is moving to the head of a cl- ahead of the class with an all-new Free Comic Book Day without Robin Givens comic. <laughs> Street Fighter heads back to school as the world's young fighters flex both their academic and martial arts prowess. Okay, it sounds cool. Yeah, definitely. And head of class. And I, and I'm glad that Roddy Cat got my head of the class reference. And also because I've been watching some of it on uh, HBO Max. <laughs> that's right also, I did see that flipping through the the uh, the service mm-hmm. so yeah I caught it I, I, even if I hadn't I would have caught that but still <laughs> uh, but next up though um, so apparently um, well the original story was that Newsarama had caught wind of a letter from DC presumably from DC Comics saying that freelance artists should not be uh, that are free, freelance artists are not legally allowed to turn art they create for DC into non-fungible tokens which I know has been a big thing on the internet right. um, cryptocurrency type wise um, furthermore it appears to, to bar DC freelancers from selling any digital art of uh, DC characters whatsoever even without an NFT component. This uh, story from Newsarama has been updated 
saying that uh, proving that the universe has a sense of humor, if not e- ecological uh, preservation, DC's legal notice of to freelance artists that they are not allowed to uh, sell digital artwork as NFTs has been turned into apparently an NFT, uh, as reported by Boing Boing. It says, artist uh, Sean Bonner, uh, who makes his own um, NFTs, he pretty much made an NFT of that letter. Um... So, yeah, and there's a whole big thing about NFTs, and I know a lot of comic uh, creators have been talking about it of, of recent, and it's kind of silly. And not silly, but it's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. But next up. Next up, what's more violent and out of control than Wood Midnighter? Uh, tried dozens of Midnighters in infinite loops, righting his past wrongs and not there to bargain. The former Wildstorm hero is returning with a new backup serial in DC's Action Comics beginning this week with March 23rd's Action Comics number 1029, which neither of us read. Yes. In this story, subtitled The Passenger, Midnighter is put to the ultimate test as he tries to escape a time loop and a new enemy, Trojan. Wonder <laughs> Woman writers Becky Cloonan and Michael W. Conrad, fresh off their future state Midnighter story, return for this new backup series with artists Michael Avon Oming and Taki Soma. Okay. Trojan Man. <laughs> um, next up is some good news. Midnight, uh, excuse me, not midnight. Blah, blah, blah. Milestone titles to launch, uh, to launch day and date with print, digital, and DC Universe Infinite. Um, so that's actually new because, uh, well, that last part is definitely new because I know that's been nothing that's come up. But uh, there's going to be new milestone comics. We already knew that because we've talked about it. Uh, from Static Shock, uh, Icon and Rocket, Hardware. And uh, I think that's it for the first latest stuff. Uh, and actually, I'm going to take this next uh, article also because it is definitely uh, in, uh, involved with this one. So uh, oh, you want, you're just going to stick me with the with the Snyder Cut news. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, it's, at least it's not directly uh, about the film. But yeah, so Static Season 1, which has been delayed, by the way, uh, which is part of the second article. Uh, I believe that's going to be the Static Season 1 is a six-issue miniseries. I think we kind of talked about this already, but it's going to be in print and everywhere. Or, well, it was originally going to be uh, in print and everywhere on June 15th with the rest of the stuff. Uh, no, I'm sorry. It is going to be on June 15th, uh, but the rest of the stuff is supposedly coming out uh, April 11th. So this is the only one that's actually going to be uh, delayed. Uh, but Icon Rocket Season 1 and uh, Hardware Season 1, uh, it looks like, let's see, April 20th, it's going to be available April 23rd. Yes, uh, each series will be supported by a robust variant cover plan. The launch of Static Season 1 will be, uh, the full variant cover plan will be revealed on the future issues of DC Connect. Uh, beginning with issue 12, available online or on on or before April 23rd. I'm assuming that's for DC Connect. Uh, But yeah, it says Milestone Returns Infinite Zero is now available uh, digitally and in comic stores. Wait, wait a minute. While the Milestone Returns Zero is now available in comic stores on May 25th, the three uh, series spinning out of it will now release simultaneously on participating digital platforms and comic book stores. Uh, so yeah, June 15th for Static, July 27th for Icon and Rocket, so I stand corrected on that. 
and hardware season one is August 10th. So I stand correct about what I just said about they're all coming at the same time, but they are coming day and date with, uh, with print and, um, and digital. So that's great. So if you, if you have DC, uh, DC universe infinite, Hey, or comicsology or any place like that. There you go. Next up though. Next up. So in mild, no, it's not really mild spoiler news. Cause it's kind of spoiler. It's definitely spoiler. So you are warned, uh, that this next story has spoilers for the Snyder Cut of Justice League. Right, because what it is, is, and I've already warned you, spoiler alert, um, in conjunction with the Snyder Cut, Zack Snyder's black-suited Superman Puma sneakers will bless your souls, apparently. Now fans can walk for miles in the Man of Steel shoes, DC Comics, and Puma teamed up to create a new sneaker inspired by Superman's alternative or alternate black costume Mm -hmm. in Zack Snyder's Justice League. According to the shoe's description at DC Shop, the black Puma suede shoe features the Superman logo, a form stripe inspired directly by the new black suit, and art created by Jen Bartel in the shoe insert. Okay. Shout out to one, shout out to Suede Pumas. If you're of a certain vintage, you know the the vibe. Um, Also, shout out to Jen Bartel, who's been doing, because I know this is her... Second, I know. I think she's got to deal with Puma doing art for her and then I think this is the second shoe she's done for them. So okay, yeah, shout out to her for that. Um, but I could have sworn that the black suit Superman was in the original cut of uh, Justice League, or at least briefly. But I, I don't remember. I watched the movie once. Yeah, I feel like like that one particular <laughs> scene, which is in both. You know, the one scene when he wakes up. When he gets up, I feel like the black suit was there in the original cut, and then he changed, which we or he changed off screen um, after the that one scene with the farm. Because I mean, this that's that's not a portal because that was in the original cut also. At least part of it was. Yeah, I can't yeah. remember. Yeah, um, Spin Masters celebrates 82 years of Batman with new figures and collectibles. Uh, so it's titled Bat Tech Collection. Spin Master's new batch of Batman products includes characters and vehicles. Uh, this includes the 12 inch deluxe Batman figure, which envisions a very futuristic looking Batman with a suit colored black and blue. Uh, the toy also features retractable wings rather than the traditional cape. Sounds like some of the old 80s toys we used to have. Um, the Bat Tech collection also features a number of four-inch figures uh, of other notable Batman characters. This includes Robin and Nightwing, as well as the Riddler. Uh, there's a 12-inch figures. There's more 12-inch figures of the Batman, as well as his arch uh, nemesis Joker. And lastly, the fans of the Cape, Cape Crusader can check out the two-in-one Batmobile, which can be con- uh, transformed into an aircraft. So yeah, you can check out uh, Spin Master's site for for all of that. Next. Next up, Jackson Claxon. In honor of Lucasfilm's 50th anniversary, Hasbro's Black Black Series line of action figures is adding four figures inspired by uh, characters from books and comics that were released throughout the company's history. Yes, Legends devotees, you are being served. And perhaps most importantly, the release includes Jackson. And if you're not familiar with this character, this is the giant rabbit. Mm -hmm. It's not a trash panda, it's a rabbit. Although somewhat argues a trash character, but eh. Ah! Um. 
So yeah, this is Jackson from the old uh, Mar the the original Marvel Star Wars comic book, which pretty much did not follow any kind of script whatsoever, um, because they started before the movie came out, before the original Star Wars came out. So yeah, right. a lot of characters kind of yeah. <laughs> But they also brought uh, Jackson back for, I think, uh, Star Wars Adventures kind of recently. But yeah, and there's, that's not the, I think that's not the only one because there's also a Luke figure here. Uh, looks like, sorry, from Dagobah. Um, but there's also a Darth Maul and a Connor Jax, which that's a name that I don't know about. Uh, figure that also in this Black Series. Next up, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier uh, Bucky arrives at SH Figure Arts. Uh, it's going to be here August 21st. Uh, excuse me. The, uh, yeah, it's going to be here August 21st. Uh, August 2021, not the 21st, excuse me. And will be priced around 80 bucks. You can see pictures of uh, them if you're watching the video. And I believe there is a Sam also coming um, at some point. I don't know if it's also at the same time, but it's because it doesn't say. Next. Oh, there's also Bucky's Got the Shield. So, yeah. Next up. Uh, there is a new Hot Toys Winter Soldier figure, which represents Bucky's Disney Plus look. So, uh, similar to what Roddy Cat was just saying, unlike WandaVision, the Falcon Winter Soldier are not waiting until the end of the season to reveal its merchandise. Um, so, apparently... Uh, they are mimicking his look on the Disney Plus show. The Hot Toys Winter Soldier cost $250 to pre-order for a July 2022 delivery. Payment plans with installments of $56.25 are available. And I like that uh, a lot of, uh, and I've noticed this uh, as a friend of mine was telling me, payment plans have been more of a thing lately than not, including sites that will pretty much do that for you with other other sites. Right. If you uh, if you are inclined to go that route, which is cool. Um it's 250. Did you say that? I can't remember if you did or not. Oh, the total price? Yeah, it costs 250 to pre-order for July. You did say the date, but uh it's yeah. definitely 250. But now Hot Toys is known to be a little more on the pricey side and a little more also detailed, so Exactly. So $250 is not uncommon for right. Hot Toys. Exactly. Uh, next up, uh, in Roddy really, really, really wants this, and we kind of talked about this before, but the Transformer slash X-Men um, uh, crossover figure is now up for uh, pre-order at GameStop. And um, it is on sale, excuse me, it's on pre-order for fifty one ninety nine, and the actual price of it is $64.99 um, uh, after pre-order. So you might want to jump on it now. Um, I've also seen it for 68 at Target, but, you know, like I said. Uh, oh, yeah. Roddy's going to try to get this as soon as he possibly can. Um, again, like I said, it is the Blackbird uh, in in black and gold, as in 90s X-Men Cyclops colors. Um, it comes with uh, a mini uh, Wolverine and, for some strange reason, Sabretooth figure and not a Cyclops. Um, and, of course, it, again, like I said, transforms into the Blackbird. Except it's blue. Next up. Square Enix hosted a live streamed presentation called Square Enix Presents to reveal more information on several of its intellectual properties. Throughout the 40-minute video, fans were treated to uh, announcement of 
a new Life is Strange game, a new mobile Hitman title, and a glimpse at what's to come for Crystal Dynamics Marvel's Avengers. So um, they revealed... Uh, so coincidentally, the presentation premiered on the same date as the release of Marvel's Avengers second post-launch story DLC, Operation Hawkeye, Future Imperfect, as well as the game's next-gen update. Uh, the big reveal during the Marvel's Avengers component was the announcement of a brand new expansion that ba- that's based around Black Panther and Wakanda called War for Wakanda. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up. Spider-Man fan recreates PS4 games New York in Disney Infinity, which is a game that's long since been killed. But, um, yeah, apparently, um, let's see. There's obviously a difference in the, in the graphic quality of this. And I can't imagine how much they actually uh, were able to do with uh, Disney, Disney Infinity. But, yeah, apparently... Um, Somebody did it, and there's probably video or something uh, out there, but it's not attested to this to this, um, to, this um, to this article. Next up, all right. Uh, in essentially, what is a deluxe what if story? What if Spider-Man wasn't able to fight off the sinister tugging of the Venom symbiote and was fully immersed into that? alien symbiote the way Eddie Brock and others have been in uh, uh, in a story by Chip Zdarsky and artist Pasquale Ferry and Matt Hollingsworth we're going to find that out in uh, Spider's Shadow it's a limited series um, it's going to be released very soon because I, I, I saw it in recent very recent solicitation so Mm-hmm. And the rest of the article is a, is a um, interview with Sadarsky, and I believe um, Alling said, or it's just Sadarsky. I think it's just Sadarsky. So thank you can check that out at your leisure in the show notes. Uh, first, look at the return of the dark uh, of the dark '90s hero Darkhawk, um, which is a preview for Darkheart number one, Heart of the Hawk, which is coming April fourteenth. Uh, this article from Newsarama has some preview pages of uh, said issue that you can check out um, in the aforementioned show notes. Next up. All right. Uh, though Star Wars The High Republic comic takes place 200 years before the events of Star Wars The Phantom Menace, the new era of stories features a familiar character in the form of Yoda, Cave and Scott, who writes the Star Wars The High Republic comic book series for Marvel, recently discussed Yoda's role in the High Republic era and how the Jedi Master still remains a fountain of wisdom for others, despite his failings in the prequel trilogy of the Skywalker saga. So, yeah, feel free to, to, um, to read this, but apparently Yoda still has, you know, casts a long shadow even back then. He's 800 years old. How would you expect him not to have shown up? Yep. <laughs> Next up, though, uh, the Doors graphic novel will leave your, quote, head spinning in the best possible way if Leah Moore has to, her say. Uh, the Doors are breaking on through to the comics. Oh, jeez. With, uh, with a new uh, original graphic novel, uh, Morrison Hotel. 
uh, writer Leah Moore, Leah Moore, excuse me, and a host of artists including uh, Michael Avon Oming, Colleen Duran, uh, and more are taking part with nearly a dozen individual stories. Like songs on the namesake 1971 album the um, OGN's title derives from. But his graphic novel is not a blow-by-blow biography. Instead, it's a music on the door's influence, uh, inspiration, and uh, thinking as displayed in their music, their concerts, and the four men's lives. Uh, Moore and the others involved in Morrison Hotel um, are helping uh, helped along the way with Roger, uh, excuse me, Robbie Krieger and John Densmore, the two surviving members of the Doors. And apparently, this is already out. Uh, this graphic novel is already out, and the rest is an article um, with the writer Lear Moore. So you can check that out in the show notes. Next. Next up, uh, the New York Times bestselling authors, the McElroy brothers, are bringing elements of Team Sonic racing into the third and final story of IDW Sonic the Hedgehog 30th anniversary special, an 80-page comic book that celebrates three decades of the blue blur. Okay. Hmm. Yep. Video game reviewers turned, well, minus one of them, turned uh, um, pop culture icons. You gotta love it. I guess. Um, so yeah, there's a the thing. Last but not least, uh, I know a lot of people like the McElroys, and I do too, kind of. But you know, hey, uh, Diamond responds to Marvel choosing Penguin Random House as its distributor. So yeah, this is a this is a thing that just happened uh, t- yesterday. Or yeah, today. yesterday and today. Yeah. Yeah. So apparently, um, Marvel's like no more diamond and going with Pendant Random House as a new distributor. Not unlike what DC did um, last year uh, when it got away from Diamond. Um, which they are they back with them or did that? I can't remember. Are they still? Yeah, they're still away from them. Right, they're still away from Diamond. I think the difference here is that for whatever reason, Diamond is still going to be able to order from Penguin Random House. Sure. So the distribution network is still in place, but you know, it just seems you know, it seems like there might be some more news coming out of this shortly. We'll see. I suspect that being the case. So yeah, starting looks like starting uh, October twenty first is when the new change is going to happen. Uh, there's a quote from I'm sure uh, from Penguin Random House, which we don't necessarily need to read here. Um. Let's see, yeah, yeah, yada, 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 behind the scenes shift and diamond and reverberations and all that kind of good jazz. So yeah, so we'll have to see what uh, what what um, what effect this has exactly. on the direct market because you know something that PC and underscore dirt uh, brought up in our discussion when I when I uh, uh, po- you know in our back channel discussions when I when I brought this up is that essentially uh, this will cut into whatever discounts uh, retailers get when they order books through Diamond um, and you know they, they essentially become wholesalers whereas uh, Penguin Random House will be the initial distributor so in order for people to make money they have to uh, you know they have to charge a little bit more so that uh, you know so that uh, the distributors can make some money. The wholesaler makes some money. In order for the wholesaler to make money when they sell it to the uh, direct market, they're going to have to charge a little bit more, so their discounts are going to go down. And 
comic book retailers are operating at such thin margins as it is, small margins, that it's hard to imagine that they're going to be, they're essentially going to be losing money with this extra middleman. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, uh, I think more, more dominoes are going to fall in this story. We'll see how this all develops over the course of the next few months before any sort of uh, change goes into effect. Yep. Yep. And with that folks, uh, we have come to the end of this here show, but first we have one last ad read. Our last ad read of the night is for Wink, the personalized wine club. Wink is a world of wine delivered right to your door. From rosé to cabernet to torronte, Wink has over 100 styles of wine to discover. Ever try an orange wine? (laughs) Wink connects you to a world of exclusive wines tailored to your tastes and delivered Mm -hmm. directly to your door. Wink delivers four bottles of wine to you every month with free shipping. You can pick your own bottles or let Wink choose and match to your taste. It doesn't cost a thing to become a member, and you can skip or cancel anytime. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy an exclusive discount of $20 off your first order. To place your first order with $20 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us forward slash wink. That's cspn.us forward slash w-i-n-c. Wink wines through CSPN. Do it today. Uh, as we come to the end of another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles and um, Agent 70's uh, reference to something I told him before the show, we would like to thank uh, each and every one of you folks for coming out, whether live or, um, you know, after the fact in audio form or even the video in audio form, you know, however you choose to um, partake of this. Uh, we know we've had some long episodes uh, in the last few weeks Um you know, we're, we're still streamlining on it, but you know, hey, we got this one down manageable at least this time, sorta. And with that, uh, folks, um, I have been Radicat. This is Radicat, Radicat on Twitter, News News Need on Twitter, CB Caps on Instagram. It's late, folks. I so apologize. Agent underscore seventy on Twitter and Instagram. PCNet underscore dirt on Twitter, PopCultureNet on Twitter, PopCultureNetwork.com, and all the umbrella sites therein. Also, possibly, maybe, Byte, which is the Vine replacement, as comic reviews know, uh, vowels. We just need to find out. We do. Um, also, Tim, D-O-G-G-9-8 on Twitter, and the Osiris that is this. You can also find you can find him on that. You can also find him at CB Cron, which is the Comic Chronicles uh, Twitter account. You can also find him at... Uh, the Click Nation on Twitter. Uh, you can also find them at theclicknation.com. That's the K L I Q N A T I O N, all one word. But you can also definitely find our man on Comic Book Resources where he's over there writing his face off. You can find this here podcast on the Coastal of the Podcast Network. Uh, that's CSPN.us. Do it today. You can also find this at your podcast at your podcast parental place of choice, whether it be uh, Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal of the Podcast Network SoundCloud page. And of course, you can also check us out every Thursday night, 9.30-ish p.m. I slightly remember the days when we used to have um, movie protocol and used to go to the movie theaters uh, on, on, on certain nights and would have to call it... Um, <laughs> call a call an audible on the show 
And that's necessarily called it, but you know, to change the time of the show, but it is what it is. 9 30 p.m. Like I said, oh, change the date of the show. Change the date it's really of the, the show date of the show. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. For 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 movie protocol. But yeah, 9 30-ish p.m. on uh Thursday evenings on either uh um, youtube.com slash declicknation or uh, twitch.tv slash comic chronicles. And like I said earlier at the beginning of the show, we might actually have another place where we'll be um, streaming to possibly start in the next group, but I will let folks know when that actually happens. Uh, and I believe this is where agent 70 says, smash that like button. Yes. I was going to say, I was like, well, it's about time to remind everyone to click like click review uh click uh subscribe that is click subscribe click like just leave us the good reviews that's what i was getting at leave us the good reviews uh uh wherever you get your podcast or however you watch the video yeah and we are aware that there's still an issue on spotify we i don't hopefully we will get that sort of we're working on it yeah we are very much aware of it we're working on it but you can definitely go to cspn.us and other places that that hold podcasts and that sh- they should be square. I hope. Um, yeah. With that, folks, this has been the Combo Chronicles. Peace. Peace. One. Salute me, familia. Salute. Salute. Salute.